Video, film spry. Yeah. Pumped. You're pumped. So pumped. So pumped. Welcome. So pumped. Welcome to the Completely Unnecessary Podcast. The last one of the summer? The last one. 2020. Is it 2021? The last one. September 14th. <laughs> it's the end. We're done. 2021 Tuesday. Hi, Ian. How Hi. You? That's Ian Ferguson. I'm Pat Contra. On the show today, we'll be talking uh, about. Some fun stuff. I don't know what's happening. Um, talking about Apple versus Epic. GameCube turns 20. Uh, the worst grading experience you will ever find with water. <laughs> and boomers had an event. Boomers had an event. Apropos. Fall is uh, Wednesday the 22nd. So oh, we get one more of the get, summer. We get one more. Endless summer. Speaking of that, uh, we, we had the, 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 the summer of the video game years came to a sad close. Uh, well, momentous close. Uh, we had the last one, eighty nine, premiered on my channel on Monday. Check it out. I have a playlist. Run them all. I was Be there that- for every episode, g- pumping the crowd up. You really missed it if you were yeah, there. Sure. Yeah, I was totally there. But we were there. We were in every segment, but th- I two or three. We were. Yeah. In, for some reason, we skipped Donkey Kong Junior. in eighty two. To this day, I don't know why. It's one of my favorite arcade games. We skipped the video game magazine one. And there was another one we skipped in like 81 or 82. Other than that, we were in every single segment somehow. We put the work in. You fucking tired of us? Yeah. We were the, I mean, there wasn't a close second for the segments. Probably Eric. Eric was in a lot. Eric was in a but lot. But like we were in every single one. <sighs> Eric you know? was so good on that. Eric was like the soul of, of the series. Yeah. It really was. <laughs> oh, no. His, his, his uh, should have been a game segments are, are fantastic the entire that i mean he dressed up in costume i don't even remember that what game was in the segment but where he dressed up and did the who knew thing that was for the in- for television that's right the television yeah. versus atari yeah so real quick then we're going to talk about our, our pal eric who i've been seen in years and years he forgot his suit for the shoot which rhymes he, he he drove like an hour one way to get it for it's literally a one second joke <laughs> but it's that's so good that's dedication, <laughs> that's dedication he, he dresses up like, he dresses up like the little uh intellivision kid on those commercials yeah that's that was the joke uh ian what did you do this weekend uh i care treg and uh uh my co-workers took me out well treg took us out uh kind of as like a, a farewell dinner um for me which what, was nice. when's, your, when's your last day uh i have this saturday and next saturday and that's it i'm done Wow. Yeah. Um, so we went to Bali High. Uh, I love Bali High. I love that place. Did you go for brunch or is it just a dinner? We go for dinner. It, 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 it's like it, it's like the probably the place we go to the most often for work dinners. God, that brunch. Um, it's expensive, but it's worth it. It's like a $50 brunch. The food there is great, and we love the drink menu. And then afterwards, we went to False Idol downtown, which is one of those What's speakeasy that? bars. It's a, like a speakeasy uh, tiki bar. Hey, you're not speaking easy about it now. You're telling everyone. Yeah. It's longer. It's the, yeah. They're, but really good. Shut it down. Uh, the Untouchables drank a lot, a lot. Uh, Very uncommon for you, Ian. Had it is these days to this mm-hmm. level. Uh, mm-hmm. But I had a glass of water in between every drink and woke up just fine. So oh. that, was, that was pretty much my uh, my weekend. I, I I worked at Luna. Had a going away party yesterday. I uh, I don't know. 
I was a cool guy. What did you do this week? You were a cool guy? That's, that's what I did yesterday. Um, yeah. What did I do this weekend? I think I skipped the heavy bag when my foot was acting up a little bit. I saw Shang-Chi with a friend. First time going to the movies in... I don't know. I, don't, I forget what the last movie was I saw. It might have been, been Endgame over two years ago. I would have been like May of 2019. Really? Like, yeah. Because there was no movies last year. And what, what happened? What would I have saw, saw, saw after that? What would I have seen? True. That word tune to help me speak. I don't know. So I saw Shang-Chi. Originally, I didn't want to see it. I skipped Black Widow. I've seen every MCU movie in the theater up to Black Widow. I skipped Black Widow for two reasons. One, it, it doesn't take place in the continuity. They should have made this movie years ago. And right. had a release. And I understand it probably ties in. But um, it didn't, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird watching a movie about a dead character. Spoilers if you haven't seen Endgame. It's just kind of weird. I think that you was know? my thing. More so uh, than the fact that I... I just, I needed I, a break too. Man, I needed a bigger break. Her portrayal of Widow was fine, but I just I was never overly excited about it. And I think my main thing is one, I'm I'm just kind of burnt out on this stuff. And two, um, yeah, I, I, it's tough for me to go sit through a two hour movie and pretend like I'm emotionally invested in a character that's no longer around. Sure, I understand they're, they're going to tie it in somehow. But Shang Chi looked interesting. Um, it's a martial arts movie, uh, mostly, which I'll get into. And, um, you know, people were excited for it the same way a lot of people were excited for Black Panther. It was the first, you know, Asian-American, you know, superhero uh, mainstream one. And that came out about 73, 4 it came out. Uh, God, I don't have the first appearance of that. Like, it came out like a few years after Iron Fist, two years after Iron Fist. So obviously kung fu movies were, and China, Chinese martial arts movies were all the rage. Right. In the early 70s, you had Bruce Lee. They, they all started coming over here. And so Marvel's like, we got to make some characters. And they did that. And um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It got really rave reviews. Uh, it was like like super rated high and rotten to me. It was like ninety eight percent, which I was kind of shocked by. Um, that's good. That's a percentage. That's not a, a score. Uh, but no, I enjoyed it. Here's the issue, though. It's it, I want to watch a martial arts movie. Like it's the you don't want the best fight scenes in your movie to be in the first half of the movie. No. That's the problem. You want them to build when you're watching a martial arts film. You want the, the so this has the third act stumbles the same way Black Panther does, where you have something building and then you just let down. You're just like, okay, it's fine, but it, it's it's almost like they wanted to do something smaller, and then sometime either through, through the writing or production, like you know what, let's do this fucking big end of the world thing instead. And make it a fucking CG fest. When all the rest of the movie wasn't a CG fest. So I'm just like. I am so not interested anymore. In this. Because when you're doing martial arts fights. For the most part. Even modern day. Like it's real. People are really hitting each other in court. To go from that to. I'm trying not to spoil it for you. To go from that it's to. I, don't, I really don't care. To go from that to a gigantic dragon battle. Um, is. I just was like. I don't want to see this. I just don't want to see this. It, it, you take away everything from what I was watching before that. We're like, why? I can understand why? that. I, I always want... I, why there's... do you do stuff like this? Not, not everything has to be end of the fucking world in every single one of these movies. Holy shit. Despite the fact that I felt like the uh, quality of the Marvel television series went downhill after, you know, as as they progressed in some instances... I really like the smaller superhero stories. Yeah. I don't need everything. I don't need every su- superhero movie to end in a um, 
Final Fantasy Final Boss fight. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes a, a small contained story is good. A medium sized villain. Maybe the sake of a town is that that like <laughs> like Iron Man did it right. Iron Man the first one. It's like oh he's the evil business guy that fucked over Tony. So it's right. like, it's not end of the world if you don't beat the guy. You but he's a slime ball that you know he's dealing with arms to terrorists and stuff like that. Start small. Not a, that's why the same thing with James Bond movies. By the way, new James Bond movies finally coming out next month, which looks great. Not every James Bond movie is end of the world. They became end of the world stuff. Not everyone is was end of the world. There's a lot of smaller ones. Going back to the books, it's like, yeah, we don't want bad people to get away with shit. It's not like, oh, if we don't solve this, the world's destroyed. Or a nuke fucking hits the US. Like that's I'm tired. Maybe because I'm getting older, I'm just tired of that. Like just give me a smaller story. Give me a smaller story. Yeah. That's all. Ninety two percent on rotten around tomatoes. Sorry for spoiling it. It's been out for a week and a half. Um Oh, it's 92% tomato meter. What's what's the consensus here? Where's the consensus score? Because I usually like... There's no consensus? Uh, I mean, the little thing... Oh, here it is. Um, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings isn't entirely free of Marvel's familiar formula, wink, but this exciting origin story expands the MCU in more ways than one. Does it, though? It doesn't really... I mean... I'll say this. They retconned, uh, you know, obviously the Ten Rings, not giving anything away. That goes back to the Iron Man, one in three, um, and, and Ben Kingsley's character. Um, so they retconned that, but they set that up. If you saw Iron Man 3, obviously Ben Kingsley's character was not the Mandarin. Right. It, was, it, was, it was a setup. He was an actor. I, I liked that twist. I didn't think it was horrible. Some people hated that twist when it came out. That was already eight years ago. I Iron loved that movie. I thought um, I, everything until the last 20 minutes about that movie I loved. Because then it's just too much CG, right? It's just all the shit. It's just, yeah, I yeah. felt like I was watching something totally different. Exactly. 20 minutes. That's the same thing with this movie. You're watching yeah. something totally different. And the, and the CG is not great in the last 20 minutes of this movie. You can tell, like, it was like, oh, this is really good. This is really good. And then, it, like, the level just drops. So, so from what from my CG friend tells me, a lot of times it's because they change stuff enough time to do it well. And, you know, but uh, but I was um, say Yoshi's going to have something to say. He, he wants us, I think, to. They, they wanted Yoshi to, to work. I think, I think, I think, I think he wants us to get good enough <laughs> with uh, with CG that we can acknowledge what parts of the CG were good and what parts. <laughs> yeah. Of the oh CG no! Were oh, bad. You know, he, CG he, is you, bad. you'll be able to tell when you see this. Yeah, <laughs> this I, isn't. I this isn't like. Oh, this, this is borderline. Um, but it's exciting in a way that it's nice to see a martial arts film that's connected to the MCU. I get that. Because I like martial arts films. There's not enough mainstream martial arts films anymore. And Michelle Yeoh's in it. I love Michelle Yeoh. Hasn't aged a bit since when I first saw her, you know, in Crouching Tiger in, in the theaters in like the 90s. That and, and in the Bond movie she was in. Tomorrow Never Dies. So anyway, that's all I did this weekend, Ian. You know what else I did this weekend? WarioWare. Played a bunch of WarioWare. Did you like it, Ian? Yeah, I liked it. Uh, so the new WarioWare is out. WarioWare, get it together. Um... Brief story. Uh, I, I don't know if Nintendo is not like. Uh, I don't know if they're trying to get people to buy digital or what, but actually finding a physical copy of it on Friday was impossible. You went to the, you went to Target. Went to Target. They had a spot for it, but it was sold out. And this was at like two p.m. So either WarioWare is the hottest, biggest, newest property. Well, or they only got a certain like. What uh, was the last major Nintendo release on Switch? What was the last one you'd say? The last big one. I don't know. It's been several months, right? Sure. But WarioWare's never a game that really grabs, I mean... Remember, the Wii one was hard to find. That sold out. Remember that? Yeah. I mean, they've all been pretty popular. It's just, I mean, it's not like it's one of their flagship franchises. I, I, 
It's then, a hardcore following, though, I think. Yes. Um, and then I different. called two GameStops, and both GameStops that I called in San Diego only got enough copies in to cover their pre-orders. That's weird. Artificial scarcity? No. Well, I mean, uh, and, then, and then they're like, well, did you pre-order it? And it's like, no, I didn't, because I should be able to walk into a fucking store on the day that it came out and pick up a copy. So, so I ordered it on Amazon, and I got it. Um, evil Amazon. Don't you put money in Jeff Bezos' pocket, Ian. How dare you? Got it on Sunday. Financing um, his, his moon trips or whatever he's doing. Played the very first level of it, very, very drunk after dinner. Uh, God, okay. And then yesterday I sat down and basically played all of it. Um, so before you chastise me, I bought it and played it, and I played, for, for what we're talking about, like 35% of the game, roughly. Yeah. The first major campaign. So in WarioWare games, they're short. You don't... Micro games. It's like It's like buying a shooter. You're not buying a WarioWare game... <laughs> Or a shooter because you're looking for a long playing game. It's something that you constantly go back to to improve your score and get a little bit further. Just like a shooter, you see pretty much everything there is to see in a couple of hours. But you're constantly replaying it over and over again. It's really not that hard of a comparison. Content-wise, it's very similar. Um, Okay. Shooters are short. People who buy them in credit feed th- through them go, this is two hours of gameplay, and I hate it. Okay, that's People what you, who okay. buy Just WarioWare let- and play through it until they've seen everything once and then go, it's done, aren't going to get anything out of it. it you go, you, okay, get, you I, get going okay. back to it over and over. I, that's I, what I, you I, get out of it. I see, I see shooters as a lot more replayable than, than micro games, but okay. I don't. I mean, the whole point of, I mean, in some ways, you yes. Explore, if you can play differently in, in, in them, you know, things like that. Well, that's an interesting thing about this WarioWare. Oh, oh. oh so the game is oh, relatively short. Oh. You'll beat the main story mode in about an hour and a half. The big twist to this WarioWare is hour that. Hour and a half if, you, if you're decent and use the continues. Like if you don't. I didn't you know, use any continues. I'm just okay. good at WarioWare. Woo! Okay. I had issues with uh, the first few missions until I got used to a couple of the characters. Really? Because I'll get into the different characters. Some suck compared to others. Um, I, um, some I, are not balanced well, from what I saw. They're not supposed to be. And I'll get into that, too. Um, so, in previous WarioWare games, there's t- there was touch, there was twist, there was um, gold, which uses normal buttons, twist, or touch. It uses all of them. And that's how you get some variety into the games. In this one, you get a stock set of games, but you actually unlock... All the WarioWare, uh, all the WarioWare cast to play through the games. So, for instance, Wario moves around freely, and then you press a button and he charges. He dashes, yeah. Um, someone like uh, Mona. Mona goes on her skateboard, and then he has Mona's a boom- got a scooter, scooter and, and a, she has a boomerang. A boomerang. Yeah. Um, Nine Volt has a skateboard, uh, skateboard that just goes back and forth. And a and you fire goes an arrow. Five Volt is one of my favorite characters. Uh, Five Volt, you actually have to move her spirit around. And you press a button and she reappears wherever right. her spirit goes. I didn't get to her. Okay, that's pretty cool. So that's a really cool one. Um, and they all play differently. And some of the levels are better tuned for certain characters. Yeah, so my problem was this. I, I didn't do the auto once I should have. I selected my own and boy, did I issue. Auto is just random. No, I think they, they think they choose them for better because there's some there's some characters that are next to impossible on some of these. I didn't run into any game okay. that was impossible with any one okay, character. Okay, there, there was one... There was one using the guy that jumps. There's one guy that just jumps. Just jumps. Yeah. And you had to jump quickly onto it was thing with a cat to wind to get to it. I had issues with that. It's and it's and these games obviously, if you never played for it, you have three seconds to do these games about. Roughly three. Ten, ten for some of them. 
Some are like three seconds. Oh, yeah, as it gets There's, faster. And so you not just have to figure out... The wind-up cat one, you jump into it and then land and fall, and then you do it a second time, and you just walk away, and it locks into Okay, it. well, the first time you do it, you can't figure it out. So that's the whole point of these games. Like, the, Yeah, it's for replayability. Because the first time you just send these characters, I'm looking at this like... First of all, some of the, some of the puzzles, are, yes, are obtuse. But some, even the second time, I was like, I still don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. Uh, so you have to get acclimated to what you're going to be doing, then figure out with your character how to do it so it adds a, a level of difficulty i was not foreseeing uh that, that i was not expecting because it was a lot tougher for me to, to do these than versus the one on the wii which is like you know your reference point for this series is the wii one which is fairly different no i get that but but okay well that's awesome god so i'm good to reviews i'm not biased uh so damn you discord so or now it's an email so that was the one thing that it was just it was more difficult than i thought it was that was all which is fine but um but obviously the characters are great. I love the animations. That they're obviously clever. The puzzles, but there are some characters that really, really suck. And there's some that obviously you can't do on some of the puzzles. They're like the one guy that just shoots things here and there. There's some that you no, can't you do. absolutely can. They build in. You can. They build in rings into those levels so you can shoot and move around. Oh, okay. You can do every puzzle with every character. Okay, so I think the okay. I got to read back. We got to yeah. do that. Every character can be. Every puzzle can be done with every character. Okay, and I th- that's what I ended up really liking about the game as I got further and further into it. The design that went into the game I thought was phenomenal because every character can be used in every puzzle, and I personally didn't have any problems. There was a couple of characters that are more difficult, but I didn't. And there's one game that I have to play. There's one micro game that I never figured out. Um, and it was the orchestra hit one. I actually have no idea how to do that one. There, there was, this is what I'm going to say. I would have preferred if the team up thing happened either later or give you more stages. Not that, not that it matters. But you get so many coins, you can continue. You can, be, you can beat them all by continuing. But I would prefer if they didn't throw the three characters at you. You, you get a character of three, of three. You start with three characters, then it's yeah. four, and by the end, it's five. I would rather they give you more time to get acclimated to a character before they swap it. Because that's part of the problem, is that they swap them in and out. So you got okay, now I get used to the control scheme of this character again for this puzzle, and it just throws me off. But that's the point off. of the game. The whole I point get of it. the game is to fuck you up in the head. I get it. Yeah, well, not the point. The point is the micro games, but no, I get it. So, uh, and at the end, when you beat everything, you can unlock uh, the entire roster mode, which is it just randomly selects from the entire roster. Okay. Um, Penny is a difficult character to use. You get Penny late, late in the game in some bonus levels. Um, I think she's the new character for this one. Uh, real quickly, I'll talk about the online mode because I loved it. They hide some pretty key modes behind the story mode. A lot of the WarioWare games have done this because getting through the story mode doesn't take really any time at all. Um, touching on Wario Cup real quick. Really cool party, a uh, really cool online mode. Uh, it puts up a certain challenge every week for one week. Uh, it's going to you know pull from this level, this set of games, etc. You're going to be playing it this way with this many characters. And then you go into the partner select and it gives you a rating for each character. And the higher the number of the character, the, the harder it's going to be to use that character, but the more points you'll get from using that character. Gotcha. So you pick a roster of five characters and they're all rated. So uh, if a character has a rating of 100, then it's, it's a one times multiplier. If okay. they have a 92 rating, it's a 0.92 multiplier on your score. If they have a 108 rating, it's a 1.08 multiplier on your score. And you go through and you just compete for high scores. But okay. it's a neat way to do it because you can get higher scores by completing lower levels or you can pick really easy characters and try to get 
you know, go through more levels and get more points. Did you do the couch co-op mode or whatever? Yep, Vani and I played couch co-op. And if you thought it was difficult doing it on your own, doing it at the same time with two people was actually not as difficult as I thought it would be. Um, I, we struggled for the first bit, but I actually... Is be- it, are, they, are they the same exact challenges? They're, the same, they're basically the same challenges. Sometimes there's a little bit more going on. So, like, there's a micro game where, like, there's a kid eating a sundae and there's, like, a can coming at it or a baseball, and you've got to jump and knock it out of the way. Okay. If there's two of them, then, yeah, there's more. Um, the, the switch flipping micro game, there's more switches to flip. So there is more stuff to okay. do. Um, but it's also easy to, like, panic and fuck it up oh, for sure. the other person. Oh, sure, because you can go for the same thing instead of dividing it. Yeah, it, it seemed like it'd be nuts. But Vani and I did beat three of the world's in co-op we did continue at one of the bosses because it was like we're not going to go through it again just for the boss level yeah again these are like three second games most of these they're super short like you, you it might be that much i'm trying to think some of them are like even quicker than that you're like whoa something's coming across the and the problem is is, is that yeah like i said it was, it, you got to get reacclimated the first time you see some of these games you don't know what to do you, you need to go through them like a second time for some that's again, that's part that's part of the fun with it yep you know I don't remember. I, I do not remember. I remember the games being that short, but I didn't remember them being as complicated uh, on the Wii one. Maybe that's why. Maybe it was easier with the motion to do things. Maybe that's why. Versus, yeah, I think that's why people liked it. It was you know motion based. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, that was. You couldn't find that game uh, originally. I remember buying the Wii one. I think I bought it used for like fifty bucks. You just couldn't find it. Oh yeah, back in like we always had it. Back in like two thousand, we're talking two thousand eight. No, I know Luna always. That was that's a game that's like always on the shelves. I, at Luna. I don't think they did a second printing for a long time. Maybe so, not. So it was, it was always at least the secondary market. I remember it being more expensive for years. I remember seeing it at the swap meet, um, and it was like, yeah, it was expensive. I looked that up actually quick. So yeah, I had fun with it. I'll, I'll play more of it. Ian's proud of me. I, I bought a new game. I buy like three new games a year. Yeah. We smooth moves. Let me see what that goes for. I think the last copy we had went yeah. for like thirty. Twenty bucks. Buy it now. Yeah, it's not expensive. Okay, it used to be though. It used to be hard to find. Or hard to find. Uh, analog pocket, your 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 golden age of of handhelds is being delayed a couple months until December. Yeah, I'm bummed. Um, I mean, really, no other way to put it. I'd love to get my hands on this thing. Second delay, third delay, second delay, second, second delay. Um, but if they're manufacturing it, it's part of the it looks like part of the chain of production and it's due to COVID restrictions. They say they're manufacturing it. They say it's due to COVID restrictions. They say that fairly soon uh, we will start seeing. Um, them go out to reviewers and whatnot. Sure. So at that point, I'd probably feel a little bit more confident about it because they have a track record of, you know, releases behind them. Um, Polymega has even made me a little weary of, you know, even when units get into people's hands. But I I, I still have faith in analog to re- re- release this by the end of the year. Um, like I said, because they have a track record that shows that they can. Sure. So, hopefully, knock on wood, we'll see it in December. They also say, um, unlike a certain Amico, where it was like, we will hope to get these in your hands by December, and it's not going to. Uh, This was December by the latest. So, I'm actually hoping that they overshot their delay a little bit, and these might start to go out in November. Yeah, if this was originally planned for October, they've been manufacturing this already. It's just, this is something part of the, one of the, I don't know, one of the parts that, you know, they said COVID restrictions, maybe there's less people working or, you know, so yeah, this is going to get in people's hands, you know, and until, until, until COVID doesn't ship something, COVID until, until analog doesn't ship, so COVID's not shipping anything. COVID, COVID is shipping pain and suffering. That's what they're uh, shipping. 
Uh, yeah, I'm fine with analog uh, delaying this like that. Uh, 30th anniversary of the Konami code just happened. Yeah. yeah. Excuse me, 35th anniversary, 86. We do fives and zeros here because um, that marks the, the Gradius uh, home port, one of the earlier NES games right there, uh, at least third-party ones for sure. Um, yeah, that that's about it. Yeah. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A. Yeah. Start. Uh, GameStop uh, is moving to become a tech company. In So, uh, this is weird. That's what they said in one of their recent uh, releases, was that they're going to move beyond games and evolve into a tech company. But it doesn't seem like so long ago that this was already attempted by GameStop. So, I really don't in know. In deja vu. Yeah, really don't know how long this is or uh, how much this is going to help them. Um, reading through this article where they're talking about it, I was not aware that they held on to uh, not Sprint Mobile, Spring Mobile uh, until 2018. Yeah, their subsidiary Spring Mobile. So this they've already jumped into things prior to this, like they uh, they were taking phones, they were buying back phones. Yeah. selling phones. They had their fingers in Spring Mobile, which was a mobile phone service division. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a uh, they had a, simp- a division called Simply Mac that they sold off in 2019. Um, and around this time was also when they started bringing in the first time they did this was when they started bringing in like all the pops, all the toys, the trading card games, sure. the t-shirts. That was their first attempt to expand beyond games. So they're trying to do that again. I don't feel like they've really tried to do... I don't think, feel like they've tried to do the multifaceted approach with like phones and stuff for about five years. But looking at this and seeing how recently they got rid of some of this stuff, I mean, is it really a big change? Are they going to buy another mobile phone company? I, I feel like this, to me, uh, looks like them panicking again. Oh, this is, this is the Chewy guy. This is all him. Right. Uh, GameStop has two long-term goals. This is from their latest... Uh, whatever, their fucking quarterly stockholder thing. Uh, GameStop has two long-term goals. Delighting customers, delighting, and delivering value for stockholders. There you go. We are evolving from a video game retailer to a technology company that connects customers with games, entertainment, and a wide assortment of products. So basically, they're like becoming like, I guess, a general entertainment and product company your general electronics store so i guess maybe they want to get into, obviously we know they want to get into digital stuff the digital space we'll see, see if that happens and they want to become an online retailer more like that's what chewy is chewy was for online pet retailer and dominated before it was uh before the guy sold off and became a freaking billionaire now trying to help GameStop. so um they're going to increase the size of the addressable market by growing our product catalog across consumer electronics collectibles toys and other categories that represent natural extensions of our business. Oof. I honestly feel like yeah. this is just a fancy way of saying we're staying the course, but acting like they're doing something new. Um, you can been, already go on GameStop and buy a bazillion fucking things that aren't video games. Building a superior customer experience. What the hell does that mean? Strengthening tech capabilities, including by investing in new systems, modernize, modernize e-commerce assets, and expanded experience talent base. They want to they sell stuff online. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. They want to move away from retail. Mm-hmm. Less mm-hmm. overhead. Not saying there's going to be a streaming GameStop you know, game uh, subscription service, but no, they want to just sell more stuff 
direct to consumer. That's it. I don't know if it's going to work because GameStop pretty much has a brand and. You know what's direct to consumer? What is it? UltimateNintendo.com. It sure is here. Direct to consumer. <laughs> and what can you get there? Direct to you can get RBI baseball stickers, you can get books, you can get DVDs and not for resale, Blu ray, the volume five and four and three video game years uh, DVDs. You can get that. I'm on, and I'm on, uh, I'm on uh, Cameo, Cameo.com slash Pat Country. I'm on, what, what are you smirking for? I'm just smirking. And I'm on Twitch Wednesday nights watching 80s and 90s commercials now. Because we're running out of 80s commercials. Twitch.tv slash What do you do when you run out of 90s commercials? I mean, that's probably a few years away. It's not, actually. There's not a huge amount. I mean, I mean do, do two hours a week for a year and a half. How, many, how much commercials do you think is on YouTube? Wow. Are you going to jump back to the 70s? Are you going to do 70s commercials? There's not a, a huge amount of 70s and 60s. Like, there's mostly 80s and 90s, I guess 2000s. But um, we're, we're stretching it out. We might just go back to the beginning. We'll, we'll just recycle back to... There's about 860 uh, 80s commercial vault playlists. Second verse, right? same as the first. A little bit louder and a little bit worse. Yeah. Um, yeah, and my book's in Canada again at RetroMTL.com. So you can get it there. And check out Always Awakening. Always Awakening was a digital game came out in 2017. Like yeah, a- this looks kind of neat. So uh, it was and, a Steam game, one well, of those yeah. one of those faux retro games. Um, but now it's an NES uh, cart. Apparently from I Retrobit. Mean, yeah, it's a cool thing. These developers kept it pretty well within the um, limits of the Nintendo oh. because there's an there's a NES version coming up that looks very very good when you compare it side by side to the steam version yeah it looks pretty close it's like the color the color palette is in the in the general ballpark and the details are close closer than i thought so you can get the nes cartridge uh which has like a a slip case and this is our pals at retrobit you know we like them um and then they have the digital version which is interesting i've never seen this happen before you get the nes rom but it's on. It's in a box, and the USB thumb drive it's on is the uh, uh, the the character of the game, pixel character as as the thumb drive. I'm like, that's pretty unique. Yeah, I don't think this you is know? like the first time it's ever happened. But it's it, the uh, packaging on this is really nice. It's nice to see, and I think it's a good way for people to get yeah. a little something if they you know don't want to own the cartridge, don't have a Nintendo. It's twenty bucks. Twenty bucks for the digital digital because it's digital but you're getting physical media in a thumb drive at least in a box and then it's it's 60 bucks for the uh for the all the the accoutrements and for the nes cart version so that's that uh, retro bit they're doing pre-orders for a month on that right now yeah check it out it looks neat uh you know what you need a thumb drive of is for all these servers that are going down uh for a little big planet you need to throw them all on that thumb drive and <laughs> yeah that's not how it works um anyways the little big planet servers are shutting down this is kind of a Personally, sad thing for me. I loved the little Big Planet games. Played all I'm three of them. You mean. I'm sad. Um, and I, I figured this was going to be coming at some point, but the online servers are shutting down, which means with it, hours and I, I mean, I would I would say I would wager millions of hours of combined work um, on these levels is going bye bye. Ten million different. Levels, I said. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Ten Between million. Between the three. Um, there is a version of Part 3 on the PS4, and it doesn't seem like those servers are going down. Uh, I don't know if they're trying to focus more on Dream, which is kind of their 
Little Big Planet sequel in terms of like having something that you can create games with. Uh, Sackboy is obviously still around. There was Sackboy's Big Adventure that came out with the launch of the PlayStation 5. I got a PS4 version as well. But even when I was playing Little Big Planet years ago, I knew there was going to be that day where this happened and it was going to be sad. And it is kind of a bummer. I haven't played in a long time, but it, it does kind of suck to think about all of that just vanishing. And I don't know if there's any way to preserve that. I don't I don't know if there is. It's just that is that is gone. Uh, you know, if the people who originally made the levels still have their systems, they could probably play it in an offline testing mode. But mm-hmm. that's about it. You know, no, no central resource for all of this that I'm aware of. You hope that it's, it's preserved at least on their side where they just uh, they download them and just have them somewhere just in case one day they could get it back up. You, know, you would hope so. You hope Sony would do something like that. But I don't know. But that goes to this next point, which is just, it's interesting. Uh, Hideki Kamiya uh, commented on the current retro game craze. So basically someone asked him, as a collector, what do you make of the recent explosion in retro game prices? Um, you know, referring to like the auctions and stuff like that. Again, I do think it's important to distinctly define between the sealed market and the retro game market because I have not seen any evidence yet of this sealed stuff really affecting loose cartridges. Um, but Kamiya says... As a collector himself, he understands the lure of wanting to have the game in the sealed package. People want the value of that package and not necessarily of the game itself. But as a fan, it's a problem if somebody wants to play the game and they can't get it because it's being traded in these ridiculous marketplaces. The responsibility for keeping those games available belongs to the company that owns the IP. This I all agree with. If the people want to play a classic game and they can't because it's not available on new platforms and can't be found in its original form either... That's like a threat. It's holding game culture back. The people who own the rights to these games should be actively making moves to preserve game culture and making games available to everyone who wants to play them. And I agree. Um, it's one of the things that I I get pissed off at Nintendo about. They are very weird about re-releasing their stuff. And if there's no other way to go after to play it, then yes, people are going to pirate your games. You have people who want this stuff. Make it available to them. Make your money, but also keep it at the forefront of people's minds. Um Yeah. The the, the issue is it's it's not like it's free for these companies to put these old games out for a new audience. It costs money and resources. A lot of these companies are not big that have the rights to these games. So it's an issue in terms of that. It's not like, yeah, give us a way to buy these. And it's like, well, that's not going to be possible for a lot of these games. For the popular games, maybe, but not for a lot of the stuff in the the mid-games or a lot of the stuff that isn't well-liked or thought about. And it goes back to, I was talking about the is is preservation the same as availability? In my eyes, it's not. Uh, it's, It's weird that for video games, we treat this differently than other media because no one ever says every old movie should be available for, for us to watch anytime. No one ever says that. For some reason with video games, we have, we have a different culture when it comes to this. We want it available because we played it as a kid. I want to play it again now. I want it, blah, blah, blah. It's not the same with movies, which is strange. Movies are usually have a cycle where they, they come out, they're gone. They come back later for a new generation or they're available. Like it's, I don't know. People do Uh, make that complaint though. People all the um, time talk about how Netflix has, a poor selection and that it should have more availability. I mean, people talk well, about that Netflix, all the time. But Netflix isn't the only place to get movies. There's DVDs, there's Blu-rays. No, but there is services. definitely that conversation happening all over the place about how people wish with digital streaming movies were more available. Yeah, but it costs money to put the movies on there. They got to pay yes. for the rights. So like, don't get angry when we pirate. Well, here, 
So now you're just saying all intellectual property should just be free. That's what you're basically saying at the point. If, if didn't you, say it should be free. I said it should I, be available. Every single intellectual property, like every every song should be available. Every if they don't music. want to, that's fine. But don't fucking okay. come after us for trying to access well, it. Well, no one's coming after you. Right. You know, like, like you can play. You can play. Yes, like, I would like the free exchange know. of information. Okay. Regardless of the cost, potential cost. Okay. Yes. Okay. I, I, I don't agree entirely with that, but okay. Uh, but yeah, the responsibility to keep games available, yeah, should be the IP holders. But I, I, I mean, what do you do? Hold, hold a gun to their head and say, put out this game? Well, you know, these companies can go bankrupt trying to put out these games, potentially to port them over for new audience. Or, you know what I mean? It's just not, it's not, we're, we're, this isn't Candyland, unfortunately. It's capitalism. Uh, speaking of capitalism, Battle of the Behemoth, Apple versus Epic with a big lawsuit over Fortnite and percentages and and buying the freaking Epic Bucks versus on the on the Apple Store versus Epic providing it. This is a big lawsuit. It's going on for over a year, and there's a lot at stake here. But finally, the ruling came out. There was like ten different uh, basically judgments. Uh, Apple won all of them. I know. I saw something like, "Oh, a Fort, uh, you know, Epic sc- killed Apple." I was like, no, no. A- Apple, Apple won a lot of this stuff. The, the main thing, the, the main thing that people Apple... really wanted to pick a team and root for a team. It, yeah, it's so and... weird. You're still rooting for a corporation. I understand that good things come out of this, like, and there well... are very good things that can come out of it. But it's the the whole. Some people got way too into this. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't like the whole. You know, I, the corporations aren't your friend. But yes, in a case like this, one corporation is fighting for something that is more right versus the other, and that's fine. You can be on that side, but but no. What what Apple won? The big thing that Apple won with this lawsuit is that Epic was trying to say they have a monopoly owning the phone and then owning the store that that phone's available on. They they own the uh, they own the the the, the, the platform. The device and the store—that's what they're, they're trying to say. They were trying to break this wide open, and Apple won that, um, and that's huge for them because they can continue uh, business as is. Otherwise, you could potentially had, you know, someone say, "Oh, I should be allowed to put my store on your your phone, your Apple phone," and be like, "What?" Um, so they won that. It's not a monopoly. That's the big win. The one ruling though that they lost was is still big, and it is going to cost Apple a lot of money in the long run. And already, there's already changes in the works that have happened because of this in the past couple of weeks. So third parties are allowed to do transactions through apps now. So if I have an app and saying, hey, Ian, you want to buy a subscription to this? I don't have to go through uh, the iStore and have uh, Apple take a 30% cut. You can just go through my store. Uh, go through my, we'll say, web browser, connect, web, you know, web link connected through, through the app right. in order to buy it. Therefore, the dev keeps all the profit. That's a huge, huge uh, win for all indie, de- all all devs, indie and corporate, and that's a big hit to Apple. So, how did Apple respond to this? They've already done it. Uh, they're lowering their cut from thirty percent to fifteen percent. They've already done it. If you make under a million dollars of revenue in a year, everyone wins. That's great. So that's where you're on your Epic side. Everyone wins. I always said thirty percent. Was arbitrary and is too much, and Apple pretty much defined that thirty percent going right. back twenty fucking years with music and 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 movies on the freaking old freaking iPods and stuff like that's where they define that, and that's what's carried through. So that's a big deal. That's a big deal for everyone out there. That keeps money in people's pockets. That also means that for the consumer, they win too because now 
you can be you can offer less and keep more of the profit. The same thing we talked about with with Epic doing their twelve percent cut. You can have games available for less money, but the dev keeps more of the profit. So now everyone wins except for uh, Apple. That's what forced them to lower the percentage because they don't want to be zero percent. They want to be okay. Here, stay. You know, stay here. Stay here. We're going to take less. It's fantastic. Uh, Andrew Andrew already did this back earlier this year. There he went down to fifteen percent. Who? So, uh, uh, Android. Go- oh, Android. Google I Play. You said, Google I, thought Play. You said, I thought you said Android. I'm like, who is Android? Google Play Store, I should say, for on, on Android phones. They're already at 15%. So this is now, Epic has has really, the last two years, uh, people were anti-Epic. It's like, why? It's competition. This is what they've done. They've reduced single-handedly the percentages these stores are taking from developers now on Apple. It, tra- it bled into Google Play and uh Steam is still at 30%. I don't know they're going to be there forever. Uh, they're going to have to come down. But now uh, Microsoft Store for PC games is, is lowered to 12% as well. So basically the only things hanging on is Steam at 30% and, uh, and the consoles are at 30% still. I don't think it's going to stay there forever, though. I think they're, there's, they're eventually will come down from, from that. So that's cool, right? Yeah. But you know, you can do that extra money, Epic. I'm just throwing this out there. Now you have a you can maybe throw a few few bucks at getting fucking Unreal Tournament back off the ground. Just a few bucks. That's all. Just a few. A mere bag of shells, maybe, to finish up the fucking alpha you abandoned like three and a half years ago. That's all. For you, you know. That's that's it. They do not care. Or give the rice. To, give the rice. To, you know, give the rice to your dear pal Pad, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll make it happen. There you go. This portion of the CU podcast is brought to you by WordTune. Every year, U.S. businesses waste over $400 billion. That's $400 billion because bad writing causes confusion, misses the mark, or just takes too long to get to the point. On the flip side, better writing also helps businesses win and impress customers, enhance brand perception, improve internal communication, and strengthen relationships with critical partners. Better, faster writing means better business, which is why your team needs WordTune for teams. WordTune goes way beyond simple spelling and grammar correction. It's the only AI-powered writing tool that understands meaning, offering writing suggestions that help anyone achieve clear and compelling writing. I was very impressed when I first used WordTune. And I'm a decent writer, as is, but you always need a little bit of a boost, a little bit of a help, and WordTune was great. It, it felt futuristic with the AI helping put together better sentences and phrases right there. It was like having an editor right right next to me saying, hey, Pat, don't write that. Put it in those words instead. Substitute that. Put that comma there. It was great. I'm not sure how I could write without it. It improves performance on any project, everything from internal emails to press releases, sales outreach to customer service support, and so much more. You can use WordTune anywhere you're writing online, including Google Docs, Slack, Outlook, Web, and WhatsApp. You can try WordTune for free at wordtune.com slash CU Podcast. Are you looking to elevate your entire team's writing? Our listeners can get a discount for their team today at wordtune.com slash CU Podcast. WordTune improves writing efficiency up to four times better. Faster writing means better business. Start writing with WordTune at wordtune.com slash CU Podcast. Boomers! All right, Ian. Uh, we, we announced. Uh, we announced. And television announced. We didn't announce a, shit. A road, Don't a let road everyone show. know we're actually in television entertainment and we're just playing both sides of this scenario <laughs> to keep our. That's obviously what we're doing. No, yeah. So they announced a, a tour to show off the <laughs> tour. the Amigo console 
in public of two locations. It was going to be Southern California. Come to the Utah. hot front lawn of Boomers, your local decrepit fucking mini golf place. Why was it all outside? I don't know. So they did this. Uh, they announced this, Ian. They gave everyone a lot of heads up. They announced it on Friday, Friday, uh, September 10th. They sent out an email blast, and I believe it was on Twitter. And they said, come to Boomers. It'll be like a four-hour event. We're going to have a, some, a handful of games to play on September 11th, the 20th anniversary of September 11th. They're going to do this event. Okay. Nothing says we're totally ready for public opinions, like announcing your event less than 24 hours before it goes off. 24 hours before. And, you know, they, I mean, I'm not going to say what they, what they did, but they probably informed some of their friends and influencers to come out because this is all goes back to this is they need P, a positive PR. They need kids on camera saying, I love the Amico. They need to raise money from investors. That's all this shit is. They this is, got no money. They need money from investors. And how do you do that? You, you do a Crayola event saying kids saying, hey, I love these games, even though they're going to be on camera, they're not going to trash it on camera. So that's what they did here. They had it on September 11th at Boomers. Boomers, there used to be a couple in San Diego that they closed them. They have, they have like, you know, uh, at least one here at batting cages. You have uh, go-karts, usually mini golf, maybe bumper boats. I don't know if they had bumper boats. You know, that's what you have at a Boomers. And they usually have an arcade there. So they set this up. They had like five folding tables, and, and they had their LCD TVs, and they set up uh, a few Amicos to play here. Um, and there, we have feedback in. We have, we have feedback from the event. And, of course, we have, we have you know, some feedback that's positive, but the problem is that's all been filtered through, like, in television and the CEO, so it's hard to know if these were plants or astroturf. You know what I mean? So, you know, basically, a friend of mine went down uh, with his, I uh, believe, with his girlfriend. My friend, too. Uh, your friend, too. And they went and checked it out. Um, this is in Irvine, California, by the way. Yeah, Irvine, California, basically said it worked, and they were fairly unimpressed <laughs> that well, um, that Tommy didn't really pay any attention to them. Um, and I mean that was basically it. What, what the the, re, the response that I see I saw mostly online that was not filtered through on television themselves was that it worked. There was uh, even a couple people there who who said, you know, that that are not, you know, part of the Amico cheer squad. Uh, the controller didn't have lag; it worked fine, or not noticeable lag. Not noticeable lag. Um, but it was just unimpressive. Uh, there was a picture where they're like playing shark shark, and it's like you know nine out of forty fish <laughs> consumed. Like that's what you have to do, and it's just. I think people are realizing that even if this does work and come out, and this has always been where I've been, I I think this will maybe come out. Once it but hits, should it, it's going to hit. But should it? Does it need to? Is it going to hit with a thud? Are any of these games actually going to be fun? Or are people going to play these for 10 minutes and go, it works, it's fine, and but then why is, pretend? But, but it, the bar should it be, it works, though. Because no one ever right. said, like, it, we never said it was fake or, you know what I mean? The, the console exists, obviously. No, I have, was, never, I have never delved into uh, that. That that there no. is that territory where people think it's just completely made up. No, no, no. I think there is something here. I don't think that it was a scam to begin with. I think it's just fallen apart. But saying a console works is like going to a restaurant saying the food doesn't kill me. Right. The that's food like was the, edible. That's the bare minimum of your product. Well, I plug it in and it doesn't blow up. Okay. You know, I put gas in my car and I'm still alive. It didn't be consumed in, I wasn't consumed in flames. That's not the bar. Okay. This is uh, from my Twitter thread. 
Uh, this is someone named uh, Michael. I'm local. I didn't have much else to do this morning, so I went. Didn't have my camera out because they made you sign a waiver saying you couldn't record footage of the games. That's actually not true. Actually, the waiver was just a, re- a standard release saying we're going to use your footage for PR and promo and get and to get uh, investors to give us money that they'll never make the money back. On. I did hear you didn't have to sign it. Yeah, that's all. That's all it is. That's all. That's a standard release. So Intellivision wasn't trying to pull one over. It was like a minor controversy. It's like no, it was a standard waiver. Uh, Astro Smash starts out fun, but it dries up pretty quickly. You control your ship using the disc as a D-pad. There is no paddle like scroll wheel support like Breakout. Tommy said they had no plans to change that. Uh, they had five prototype systems, each capable of supporting four controllers. Tommy briefly ran into a com- controller sync issue when it was my turn to play, but a quick restart fixed it. That's what we've seen across the board is that these controllers are falling out of sync. Yeah. This is that's, um, That is something that you can brush off at an event, but once that's in your home, if that problem is still happening, no, that's done. going to be, fu- that's gonna be infuriating. Uh, it boots fairly quickly. I wish he timed it because it, uh, a minute it used to be a minute what we first saw back in, what was that, February mm-hmm. or January? So, man, the, the UI is plain but serviceable. It's a UI. Controller synced on the first go after they rebooted it. Um, so, okay. That was the one response. Uh, also, in Astro Smash, you can swipe the screen on the controller to do a hyper dash across the playfield, avoiding any obstacles. In theory, this is a great idea, but in practice, I would swipe left but go right and vice versa. Uh, probably a fault of the resisted screen not, not programming. Well, it's capacitive screen. I'd be more interested in seeing that if that's a bug or not, if it's not knowing that which way you're going, uh, potentially. Right. So that was one thing. Uh, and then... Uh, this is this is what this is what our our friend uh, texted to me some more details about it to get more in depth. Oh, there goes that. Uh, basically said that they're just like cheap cell phone games. That's what he right. said. That's that that's the issue. Um, here it is. Okay. Uh, played a bit of the shooter and guess who came up and started playing with me? Oh my god! I played the shooter for two minutes. Um, so okay, here we go. I was able to move uh, pretty well through a low-level bullet hell, but the wheel you use to, to move the ship is A. Probably was playing Richard Force Redux. Right. Uh, one station had a cell phone set up, and no one was using it, I guess, to play, to play the games with the cell phone. And that was the Emoji Charades station. Oh, that was the Emoji Charades? Yeah. Um, then they gave away toys, probably, from the Redemption uh, stand there. Uh, it does what it's supposed to is the highest praise I can give it. Okay. There yeah. you go. It, it does what it's supposed to. That was the biggest the biggest thing uh, they could say there. Um, and it was 95 degrees outside, which is, you know, I was going to, you know, people like Tommy wasn't wearing a mask. He wasn't wearing a mask in Texas. I'm not going to get on huge for that. He's a, he's a guy that'll never wear a mask because he doesn't give a shit about other people. Um, and they're outside, so it's a little bit less danger. But, you know, they, they should have had masks. A lot of people aren't wearing masks right now. It's honestly not something I'm going to crucify yeah. the guy for. There's plenty of other reasons. They're outdoors. Everyone's vaccinated. Fine. I mean, it's it's, it's not uh, with the Delta, but okay. You're not going to people. You're not going to stop it. There's people going. There's there's tons of f- football games with fifty thousand people. Most of them aren't wearing masks. Or you know, we can't we can't force. I'm just saying, it. Tommy's yeah. not alone in this. Oh no, oh, absolutely not. Oh no, N- not alone. Um, and then on Reddit, on the on the Intellivision Amico underscore Reddit, the unofficial one. Uh, this is probably the best summary. So it was meh. Everything worked. I didn't notice any lag. I turned the controller upside down to see what would happen, and the controls didn't. F- didn't not flip with it, so I guess it meant like they, they, they were. They're not supposed to flip when you move them. Gotcha. It's supposed to happen before you play the game. I I brought my girlfriend who doesn't play video games at all and ha- has a difficult time with an Xbox controller. She used the wheel like an old iPod click. Uh, it took her a second to figure out to use it like a D pad. Uh, she didn't see the point of the touch screen and confused her a bit. 
We both agreed, yes, this is a family-friendly console, but if she had the choice between this and Nintendo, she would choose Nintendo. I went to a screen that I believe was the OS screen, and it seemed like the App Store, an App Store, but I could be wrong. No one came up to talk to us, but another family walked in, and Tommy greeted them. He asked them if they have heard of the Amico, and the guy said, yes, I am an investor. <laughs> that poor investor. Tommy asked the guy's kid if they wanted to play some games and explain everything. Let me just say this. That investor better not be in a promo video saying I love the Amico without disclosing that. That's all I'm going to say. Sure. That's an FTC violation doing shit like that. You can't have people doing that. Um, however, no one came and talked to us. We, I, I figured they probably didn't talk to anyone who didn't have kids. They probably need the kids on camera. They probably have, need the, the kids. Yeah. That's, they probably need the kids uh, on camera. For I the, saw a picture VR. from an, the event, and it looked like there weren't a whole lot of kids there. Uh, we played two games, Astro Smash and a side-scrolling shooter, Ridge Force Redux. They were meh, not bad, not good. We played for a few minutes, and we were bored. My girlfriend said, what's the point? Where's the story? That's a great, great thing to say. Where is the story of this console? That is true. Yeah. What, what's its place? Yeah. Okay, here it is. It works. That's, that has always... I think a lot of people have gotten bogged down in the whole idea that this doesn't work. It's laggy. Oh, they're, they're running out in an emulator, this, that, and the next thing. Sure. Fine. The bigger problem is if this ever comes out, who the fuck is actually going to yes. want it? Once all this hoopla is over, once all the people who are like, no, it's coming out, it is real, I played it. You know, once yeah. that, like, like once that argument is over, what are you going to say? I, Astro Smash is my game of the year, 2023? Yes, this is the next statement. The case in point is, like, we had problems with this before all these major issues and being a year behind in development and, and needing a firmware. That was just engineer. icing on the cake. Yeah. The basic problem comes down to this is for no one. The last thing this person said, if it was like 100 to 150 bucks, we might be interested in it. Might be. And that's the issue again, case in point. Um, just uh, there was some filtered stuff that came through the actual Amico uh, subreddit that Tommy had posted. Hi, folks. Here are a few write-ups and thoughts that some folks put together from the event last Saturday. Important to note that these folks are our target audience, families, grandparents, etc. These were posted publicly on Facebook groups and message boards. Okay, and then what follows is one of the biggest walls of fucking text I have ever seen. Just copy and pasting everything. Um, and some of this stuff is kind of dumb. Like, it's not... St- I'm trying to find the actual uh, uh, the actual uh, quote, but like one person was like, this is great for my seven-year-old. Better than the Switch. I can Oof. find games easily for this. And it's like, if you have trouble finding... Well, well, finding games, you're playing a demo. Yeah. But it was a demo, though. What do you mean? Well, you I, I think she said she implied that she had trouble finding games on the Switch. Oh, it's such bullshit. And okay. it's bullshit. It's bullshit. And it, it, if it's not bullshit, then your target audience is fucking idiots, Tommy. And I, I hate to sound mean, but that at the end of the day, that's what you're trying to get. You're trying to get people who really have no idea that this already exists in a better, almost cheaper form. If I had, if I had kids and I got a Switch, and if I had no knowledge and just looked at the marketing Nintendo does, what's the first game I'm going to buy? Probably, you know, Mario and Mario Kart. Mario Kart. Everyone can play the damn thing. It's suitable for all ages. There's no. There's no. Uh, you know, violence, graphic violence or, or nudity in it, you buy a Mario Kart. Everyone knows that game exists. And there's others, you know, that you wouldn't know about if, if you saw the advertising. Oh, what's this fun game? I'm going to get this. Like, the, to pretend that you can't find these games is ridiculous or, or not be aware of them. And then just to see the level of praise that, like, Tommy is lapping up right now because they need anything. <clears throat> 
I had a wonderful day at Boomers. I can only speak for oh, myself. Yeah. Tommy and his crew were all very friendly and hospitable. Uh, I enjoyed playing Shark Shark the most because it showed off the awesome Amico mm-hmm. controller's ability to move easily and smoothly in all directions. No lag, no slowdown, just smooth, fun gameplay. I'm oh. glad we've gotten to the starting line. I mean, come on. You really think that's a real person saying all that stuff? Would a random person say that off the street that's playing this? for uh, That's going to Boomers and say, oh, we've done with, we're done with mini golf. Let's go check out. No one's fucking saying this. this Tommy was interacting with everyone there who wanted to play some games, explaining how the controller and games played and just being a great host. You know that this is one of those people that's already sold on the Amico because yes. they're playing up the Tommy angle too much. People need to remember, you're not selling Tommy. You're selling a video game system. Oh, my God. It goes back to, like, what do you, what do you think is going to be Steve, the Steve Jobs of, of, of video games here? Uh, and I saw, some, I saw some pictures. There were people in the television and in, in Miko shirts that showed up at the event. So they, they had the, the died in the world, you know, true believers there. So um, the, I don't have a huge amount more to say, but I don't know if you do. No. But I will say this. This is strange. And the, the official and television corporate Twitter account blocked me. Some t- some time over the weekend, I I tweeted about the event tongue in cheeks like didn't block me and I did the uh, same thing but they're usually a few days behind on me compared okay. to you so this is what I'm gonna say it's obviously Tommy running you know the, the, just pulling the strings behind the the, the Twitter account and the Amico because it had it had the same probably spelling errors in the past <laughs> things like that to to have a corporate account block someone that never interacted with with that account. Never responded to it. Never was snarky. It's just super unprofessional. It's like, yeah, if you don't like me, that's fine. But like, I, it's a corporate account technically doing that. It just looks petty and bad to do that. I don't know. It's just we. I can't picture Nintendo blocking people. You know, I can't. I can't picture Sony block or Microsoft blocking people that are bitching about them. You know, like that's just. It's just. That's just strange. And even people that were pro Mika were like, that's just unprofessional i saw a couple say, like yeah i don't agree with everything you say but to have tommy block you was one thing but having the intellivision account block you was like just not it's just weird just one last thing i'll say just because it's it's ridiculous the last comment he posted on and i'm telling you this is an insane wall of text like he pasted pretty much every comment the, he could see okay uh my buddy was there he played it and had a blast he also got to meet and hang with tommy as well i'm actually a little jealous tom <laughs> Just had to get that ego boost. In I was going to say, I, 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 I know the type of person Tommy is. Um, I can't imagine being that type of person that always needs that feedback. That hey, I'm, I'm good. I'm not worthless. It's just sad. It's just it's the only thing I can say is it's sad. Yeah, and it, and it it's been distilled into a bad product that hopefully sees the light of day to all these people that pre-ordered it a year and a half ago, and hopefully to all the investors that you know are probably not going to. S- break even let alone see a return on their investment unfortunately i mean i can't sugarcoat it your money's gone i mean what do you want me to say this this is a pre-revenue startup that is a year behind schedule over a year behind schedule making money and putting a product out they're bleeding cash and um it doesn't it, it you know it, it's it's very foreboding and it doesn't really give me positive thoughts about it being released at this point you know, until until this is in until I see pictures of this fucking thing in production or in boxes going somewhere, like we eventually saw with the Atari VCS. So, oh my God, it's on a pallet. Until we're at that point, I don't know if this is going to come out. At this point, my percentages are, are are dropping. You know, week to week. Right. All right. Anything else? Anything else to add here? No. 
Would you have gone to see it if it was at one of our local boomers, if it was still available? This would have been like this would have been with travel like a two and a half hour drive for us. And by, and with twenty four hours heads up, fuck off. I mean, you know, like this isn't like uh, even if it was close, only twenty four hours a heads up to go to an event. I got stuff going on. Ian has stuff. You know, like, if it, I didn't have tough. to work, I would have gone. If it was local. No, I, I would have gone to Irvine if I didn't have you to. Would, work. You would have did a two and a half hour drive? It's not a two and a half hour drive. With traffic it is. I've never had Saturday? it be that long. I know what we looked at, but I'm telling you, I've never had it be that long. I've been up to Irvine a bunch. Okay. You can uh, hit traffic going, going yeah, towards LA. I would, I would have made a road trip out of it so I could say I finally tried it. I would have been interested in seeing whether or not Tommy actually let me try it. Do you think he would have, he would have recognized your hair even with a mask on and be like, you're not trying? <laughs> oh, I think he would have said so. I, I, yeah, I, I don't think he would have let me try it. I think he would have had me removed from the premises. But I would have, I would have, I would have gone. Nah, I would have been interested that. in trying. You, you paid your 50 bucks to get into Boomers. You, 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 can, you can go there and try it. It was outside of Boomers, so you didn't have to pay to get in. I think that was the point. I thought it was a Boomers event. I thought it was, it was, at, it was, it was there. You had to pay to get the Boomers to get into that. You had to pay to try it? Well, you, well, you had to pay, you pay to get into Boomers. Boomers now, you pay to get in. It's like going to Six Flags. That's why I'm wondering if that's why it was outside. I can't imagine people would have gone and paid to play the Amico. I hope not. I, can't imagine, I hope our friend didn't pay to play the Amico. I, yeah, that would have been rough. Yeah, I, I don't want to state that that's what happened because I don't think that's what happened. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. The GameCube came out 20 years ago. 20 fucking years ago. 20 years ago was my first apartment then, because the GameCube is always in my mind uh, that console. That It reminds me specifically of that period of time. GameCube was, a, um, was Nintendo's first disc-based system. Uh, hot on the heels of the less-than-stellar uh, success of the Nintendo 64. Um, I think the GameCube actually sold worse than the N64, though. You'll, Absolutely did. Yeah, you'll have to check. I'll look it up right now. Um, yeah, it was kind of like Nintendo's Dark Days. Uh, the GameCube w- was a really neat design, especially for early 2000. You know, the actual cube with the handle on the back. It looked like a little lunchbox. And um, I remember when the controllers were, you know, announced, people were like, what the hell is that controller? It's still one of the weirder looking controllers out there, which is funny because Nintendo also made the Nintendo 64 controller, which is bizarre, too. Um, I loved the GameCube. It was probably the system I played the most out of the big three, PlayStation 2, GameCube, and Xbox. I did have a PS2, but it was an import PS2. And after I moved out and, you know, into my first apartment, I didn't exactly have money to be dropping on import games that I didn't understand. Um, good stuff on there. Some of the launch titles were Luigi's Mansion, Star Wars Rogue Squadron 2, Rogue Leader, Wave Race Blue Storm. Um, I know that Super Monkey Ball, the first one, came. It probably, I don't think it was a launch title, but it came out shortly after. Uh, so did Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. Um, but it was hugely popular in my first apartment, and I played the shit out of games like Super Monkey Ball. Um, I really got the whole like party experience usage out of out of the GameCube. I never owned a Nintendo 64, 
did some two-player stuff on it, obviously Mario Kart, but this was the first time I had owned a system where, like, multiplayer was all we did. We didn't really do anything single-player. So Smash Brothers, uh, Super Monkey Ball, the party games, uh, Sega Soccer Slam. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Mario Kart Double Dash. All of those were things that we played a ton of. The GameCube also has some of people's favorite entries in, you know, like storied Nintendo series on there. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of either of these entries, but uh, Double Dash and Melee are often considered the standout examples of both of those franchises. Oh, okay. I, I never heard of Double Dash being that, but definitely Melee. No, people love Double Dash. I don't like I don't, it. I don't, I don't like it either. Um, I, don't, I don't like the, the, the player switching. switching. Yeah. Just people are like, oh, it adds depth and strategy. I'm like, it adds it adds some bullshit to do while you're still playing yeah. a game that is highly based on. <laughs> it's a gimmick. Yeah, random luck. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I had a lot of good times with the GameCube, and it's. Do you remember the advertising campaigns back then? I don't like. That's you the never... thing. I don't. I actually uh, don't remember the advertising or anything really surrounding it, and I was. Which is why I probably didn't do well. I would say since <laughs> like since the age of fifteen, my TV watching dropped considerably. Yeah. But I watched a lot of TV in my first apartment because that's what we all did. We sat around on the couch and got high and flipped on the TV and flipped through cable. And I don't remember GameCube commercials and stuff like that. That would have been so, like I don't remember there being a college. huge advertising blitz later college. Um, and it's funny you look at Nintendo's advertising campaigns, and it's always the systems with less advertising that do worse it's it, i mean it correlates the the wii u didn't have much advertising god. or any explanation of anything god a wii u advertising like what i don't know i don't i think i've seen one commercial ever for the wii u yeah i think switch, i saw one, switch one stuff you see commercials all the time i was gonna say switch uh, i saw commercials for all the time nintendo 64 stuff even though i didn't love it i i mean i remember the advertisements there was even like the got milk crossover with you know mario escaping uh super mario oh, 64 and the got milk commercial uh there was a lot of advertising for it but yeah i don't sure. think they I don't know. So, okay. The N64 sold thir- about 33, let's see, 33 million. Is that what I was looking at here? 33 million, just under worldwide. What was the GameCube? 24 million? Not even. 20, uh, it was under 22 million. Oh, it wow. dropped by, by a third. This, a third. So that's the second worst console they've ever come out with in terms of sales behind the Wii U. That's bad. Yeah. And so this is how I always look at it. I always look at this, the GameCube as a sequel to the N64, the same way the Super Nintendo is a sequel to the NES. Yeah. You have your, this is your second 3D console. You have a lot of the franchise that started on the N64 for, and third-party ones come over to the GameCube, and you have this unfortunate, almost dogmatic resistance to the popular physical media. Like, that's why the N64 failed in comparison to the PlayStation, which ate their lunch. And that's why the GameCube failed. And PS2 ate their ate their dinner uh, because they had to have. They couldn't go to a DVD or anything close to that. They had to stay with their little do a mini disc, and you know which was better. That's better. But if this had PS2 capabilities and had a DVD player, you know how many more GameCubes would have sold? Holy shit! I think that would have helped it at the time. Yeah, absolutely, because yeah. that helped the PlayStation Two uh, GameCube. It wasn't just the format, though. Um, when you look at GameCube, they did weird things with their franchises on there that I think some people look back on fondly now, but then I think pushed people away. Um, Metroid became a first-person shooter. 
Okay. Um, your only you think that push people away. The fact that your only entry? Mario entry on the system is the worst Mario, in my opinion. A very weird game where you spend most of the time using a water pack, a jet pack to right. clean shit up. People like that idea. But okay, I mean, it's, it's neat, different. but it's different. And yeah, I, I it's think too, that it's too different. You it's mean? too different. And um, I mean, there were two Zeldas on it, so you got uh, much better third party support on the GameCube. Uh, you, you have stuff like, you know, Resident Evil coming on the GameCube, you know, things like that. Oh, yeah, Resident Evil 2 on the N64, but that's, you know, that's an afterthought on the 64. But um, you have uh, the, the, you had the Metal Gear game come on, on the GameCube. They make a ton of them. The remake of the first one. Yeah, yeah. so you, you, so you had some support there. So I'm looking at this. Uh, there were 653 games on the GameCube, including the DD games. There was about 464 games. So, so you expanded the library by... By over fifty percent. By how many? You said it went from six hundred something to four hundred with DD games. What did you mean to say? N sixty four library is only four hundred games. Okay, including oh, the DD. Oh, games. oh, with the DD games, gotcha. If you want to, that's only about 10, 15 games. Right. So they expand over fifty percent uh, of the library going to a console that sold less. So that shows you that you had a decent amount of third party support, even though the console was a failure in comparison. I think that says a lot about um, that time period too. You know, it's not like now where releases are kind of fewer and far between and more things are trying to be AAA. There was a lot of AA titles in that generation on PS2, Mm -hmm. Xbox and GameCube. And I think it, you know, it was just easy for these people to be like, well, it's on disc at least. It's not cartridge. We can just port this it's to, to each system. Easier to do like these EA ports and Ubisoft. I'm looking, there's a lot of these amount of Ubisoft games and Konami games. Yeah, exactly. Like you had the Tom Clancy stuff on there. Yeah. Um, EA stuff, some Star Wars stuff. For the first time, some Sega games, which is interesting. Uh, so that was <laughs> so that was one of the things that actually drew me to the GameCube when it came out was that some of the the good developers that were coming off of the Dreamcast stuff, mm-hmm. like Amusement Vision, uh, those developers, um, BitSmile, were doing things for the new system. So like, I loved the Dreamcast. So as soon as I saw something like Super Monkey Ball. Mm-hmm. Hitting, heading to the GameCube, I was like, "Well, this is going to be the next GameCube." And you got Crazy Taxi on there. I, I had I had it for GameCube, the Acclaim version. That's the Acclaim published one. It sucks, but it's Crazy Taxi. It's I remember I, I bought it just to play in the Wii because I didn't ever had a GameCube. I had a Wii in my in my garden apartment, in Jersey. Um, yeah, what I think Sega fe- felt about that. We're talking, we're talking a year, about a year after. Wow, I'm looking at yeah, they started. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah, Super Monkey Ball. They published that September two thousand one. I mean, the, the the Dreamcast corpse is still cold. It was it was even cold yet? Right. No. At that point, they knew it was done. They knew it was done. Yeah, I've always got, wondered if there yeah. was ever a prototype for Monkey Ball on the Dreamcast out there somewhere. I'm sure it had to have been started. I, I mean, you, like. you mean a GameCube a prototype? Like when they started? No, of the Dreamcast Super Monkey Ball. Okay. Because there's, it's so close between the death of the Dreamcast and them releasing that on the GameCube. I'm wondering if there's a Dreamcast prototype of Super Monkey Ball. I'm wondering if they ever started work on a Dreamcast oh, version of it and then realized that this is... We, we have dead. to stop it. We have to well, stop this. Well, maybe the, you know, the, the, you know, the tech inside was so similar to them. They were like, okay, we'll be able well, to Well, that's the thing. It. The GameCube, uh, uh, in terms of power, was a very powerful system in terms of its graphic capabilities. It looked great. Uh, I yeah. remember looking at like comparisons between, you know, if a game released on three systems, all three of those systems at the time, the GameCube version was usually ahead of all, both of them or just behind the Xbox one. The PS2 was actually kind of the worst 
in terms of um, graphic capabilities. And it, was was just, it was just used so much that by the end of the PS2 lifespan, they had figured out how to wring all the tricks sure. out of it. And the optical discs were, were just smaller, uh, just yeah. a little bit smaller. It was, let's see, GameCube was 1.46 uh, gigs, and then PS2, well, a DVD is 4.7, I know that. So we're talking three times the space. If they Not all the PS2 games used direct DVD, some were, but all of them were bigger. Obviously, bigger space right. on that. And I don't know, what, what did the Microsoft, uh, what did Microsoft Optical... I don't know what that is, what they use, but I'm guessing it was probably close Microsoft? to a PS2. What are the original OG Xbox? What was the space DVD. on that? It was just a DVD for most just, of the games? It was just DVD. And I, I, it, just like PS2, it was just DVD. So, and then halfway through the lifespan, they, they switched to dual layer. I actually don't know okay. if Xbox ever switched to dual layer, but I know that there's a bunch of dual layer games Either way, on the uh, PS2. You're talking three times, even if it's three times the space yeah. versus the GameCube. So obviously you're truncated in what you can do. In terms of cinematics and stuff like that, for sure. Sure, you know, but in the, 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 you know, were there any? There were there were some GameCube games that were multiple discs, though. There were some. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. So that's how they can get Resident around Evil it. Zero was yeah, right. Resident Evil Four was I think Resident Evil Remake was um, any of the RPGs. Yeah, because once you started doing stuff that had cinematics you in had it, you were, you're filling up that space you very to, quickly. You had to swap it out. So there you go. And then was the handle is cute because then I guess they want to be portable. Because again, again, this is like the N sixty four. It's like this is your party console for controller ports, right? You know what I mean, which they which they brought to uh, the Wii as well. well. That's what I love about the Wii is that they brought the, the GameCube ports to it. That was such a great idea. Yeah, they eventually pulled them out, but they're. But it's not hard to find a backwards compatible Wii. Most of them are backwards compatible. Yeah, the majority of them. Yeah, a chunk of them. Um, so, yeah, I don't have a huge amount of GameCube experience. I go over my, my remember my, my cousins, the boys, I had every fucking console because they were spoiled. I play some GameCube, but at that point, you're talking, you know, computers are, are dominating by this point in the internet. Um, PS2, I had a PS2, basically as a DVD player, then I got Smackdown, you know, Here Comes the Pain. It was one of the best ones in the series. It was like the third game. Third or fourth game. And uh, yeah, I really, I played, he said I didn't play any since four. I really didn't play any GameCube games at all at the time. I can't even remember it. Sure. So, but you have fond memories of it. You still like your little GameCube with the handle? I don't have one anymore, but I do look back on the, the, the system pretty fondly. It's a cute one. Gu- guide to the GameCube library? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see. This portion of the CU podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Autumn is in the air, Ian. The pumpkins are in the patch, and our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure you don't carve your pants pumpkins when you're grooming. Don't do that. Make sure you're you're keeping things fresh this fall with the leaders in male grooming and their brand new fourth generation performance package. Ready to take the leap this fall with Manscaped? Join the two million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code CUPODCAST. It's time to bundle up with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all of your goodies. First off, the new Performance Package 4.0 includes the new Lawnmower 4.0. If you're looking to cozy up this fall, this trimmer is essential. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ear. This nose and ear hair trimmer uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system to provide proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in all those places you don't want them. Seal the deal with Manscaped's liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, 
Then, after chewing the pumpkin patch and whacking the leaves, give your balls a boost and use Crop Reviver. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts in their performance package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Get comfy on the home and on the go this season. Get 20% off and free shipping right now with code CUPODCAST at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code CUPODCAST at Manscaped.com. Make your balls a priority this fall with Manscaped. Ball's going to thank you. All right, Ian. Yep. Uh, we were talking about uh, WADA being in the news a lot recently. Uh, their grading service, them teaming up with Heritage Auctions, some alleged bad behavior between actors behind the scenes. The one thing we never really talked about is that WADA, uh, not, they don't just grade games. They provide a professional cleaning service for your games. So when you send the games in, you can get them cleaned before you get them graded so like an all-in-one sort of like car shop you know what i mean like hey t- you know take these labels off clean this up and i really didn't pay much mind to it which, which i probably should have because we get into why it can be uh problematic but there was a video put out which i'm not sure you got a chance to watch it did you i looked over it this has to be Oh, it's called the worst WADA grading experience. This is from YouTuber Cool Trainer Ryan. And I looked up Ryan's videos. He he's mostly looks like a, a Pokemon guy, deals with a lot of card stuff, and obviously, you know, he you know, he has these games. So back in I believe it was uh April ish, he sent in him and his friends had done five Game Boy Pokemon games that get graded. Mm-hmm. And two of those were gonna get cleaned. Uh, out of the five, I believe they get. So, what does the cleaning entail? It looks like it goes over the packaging, the general packaging. I'm guessing it would be mostly any marks that you can get off easily, and and the labels. If you wanted to get them, if, if that makes it a cleaner grade somehow, and so, it, it probably worth noting this is for both sealed and unsealed games. Um, I have not looked into what it would be for unsealed games. Uh, cleaning a cleaning a an unsealed game to me will get into really weird territory. Because if you do that for a comic, that changes it to a to like a restored grade versus a regular grade. So I don't know how that. I don't know if there's restored grades that will be coming eventually for games versus not. That's a whole other conversation we can talk about at some point. Sure. If people are restoring game boxes or, or seals, I'm not talking about uh, restoring. I'm talking about removing labels and stuff like that. Okay, but when we talk about clean though, it's like because if you clean a comic, that that could be something weird. Like I don't know depending on how it's cleaned. But anyway, so, okay. So what I want to talk about, though, is this is the process that, that uh, Ryan went through here. He, so what they, got the, they got all the games back except for his one game, which was, uh, was it Pokemon Red? Uh, later yes. released Pokemon Red. Uh, got the games back, I believe, in May, except for the one game. Emailed a couple of times and didn't hear back. Got standard responses. Um he didn't get his game back until September, obviously, recently. They had his game for four months over. Four months. And wondering what's happening here. So he got the game back. And um, what, what was removed, I guess what he hired and removed was, it was, this was a Target copy. And it was like a Target like security sticker on the back right of the game. Sure. Um, one of those ones has a metallic little film underneath. So... They removed that, but unfortunately, in doing so, it looks like they messed up the seal. To the to the left of it on this picture, this the seal is is broken, and he obviously 
email them like, or said like, you know, what the hell did you do? And they said, oh, don't worry, it doesn't affect the grade of your game, which I don't know how it wouldn't if it goes from full seal to a tear in it. Um, and so that wasn't the worst of it, though, unfortunately for Ryan. I have no plausible explanation for this next thing that happens. At the end of the video, you know, he turns it around, and there's writing on it, and it looks like, like a black Sharpie? There's like a name or something on it? And I don't even know what or how that could happen, but that's shocking to see that, and I feel super bad for Ryan. I might, you know, I might disagree on the merits of getting a, you know, a sticker removed, which I'll talk about in a second. But the writing on the front ruins how this looks. And I was on the front. Or, go or to the end back? of the video. Go to seven twenty-eight, seven thirty on that video. I guess you didn't watch that far into the I video. I did. Okay, I see it now. Yeah, I thought you said on the back, and I was like, I didn't see anything on the back. I oh, saw on, the, on the on the front. Yes, is this writing that ruins the grade entirely? This could have been, you know, like, I don't know, like a nine or something. And now it becomes a seven, you know. So what happened here? And we don't know. Ryan doesn't know. And I know. I and mean, he's got pictures of it beforehand. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think he, I don't think he'd lie about this. No, I'm just, um, you know, covering all the bases. Yeah. There, there it is. Yeah, I see. Don't oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I know that. When you're in a, if you're grading this, you have to have insurance on games. You have to. Who knows if you slip and fall, your elbow goes into a box. and There has to be insurance. So in a case like this, this would be a claim of some sort, I would think, that you, you could would take out. Yeah. If you're WADA, that, hey, we screwed up or did something wrong, we have to insure a proper value because now you ruined the value potentially. Yeah, I don't know what what this would go for at auction if this was a nine versus a seven. This could be thousands of dollars, though. Thousands of dollars difference. Sure. Um, and that's before we talk about the seals. So this is what I'm gonna say about this. This is unfortunate, but this is what happens, and this is what I warned about for, for years. This is what happens when you place the majority of the value of a video game on a cellophane seal. This is the, the, the dangerous area you get into now. Because now it's dependent upon that. We're in a whole different ball game versus what we were at before, where it's like, okay, a cellophane is not just a premium now to a complete boss game. Now it's the almost the entire value of this. It's ninety five percent of the value, literally like ninety five percent. We look at different grades, so you're caught up now in this in this unfortunate incident. And this isn't anything against Ryan because obviously if he's dealing with Pokemon and he likes this stuff. But now you're part of this ecosystem where now you're dependent upon this as a collector and an investor. You're now trapped here. And it's, it's fortunate for most video game collectors, they don't care about this because this is the minutia now that they have to be concerned about with this stuff. Because even that tear in the back could, could ruin a, a grade, go for like, a, I don't know, a 9.6. Maybe now it's an 8.5 or a 9. You know, just that little quarter-inch tear. So I'm going to say this about the cleaning service. Uh, if this if this was my game, I personally would not care about store stickers because to me a store sticker is part of the of the. This original is what I wanted to say yeah. just right before you started was that this has also shown just how kind of skewed we've gotten in terms of when we look at this. The store sticker on the back was in good shape 
was not ripping anything. And on the back, too. It was not on a spot of the game. That is one where people are heavily going to look. We've gotten so... It's become so much about the seal and the condition of the seal that now people are concerned about that and want it to remove it. I get it. If you want to try to remove it, do it. That's your thing. But I think we're losing the forest for the trees here. Yeah, and it looks worse now because they still have the the purple magnetic security thing on it. Right. It looks worse now. I think that actually... It looks like shit. Worse. Because now it's like, what is that? Before it's like, oh, it's the Target sticker. It was a Target, you know, a game. That makes sense. It looks worse now. If I was WADA, did you know it was a magnetic sticker and that would be close to impossible to take off that magnetic? Because that stuff's like almost like super glued on. Whatever that magnetic thing is, it's, it's like that. So you can't just peel off the sticker and take it out of the store. Did he know that? It sounds like if I was Ryan, if he didn't know about it, Wada either didn't know about it or they weren't equipped to remove it because they've they've ruined to me how this game looked before. Like I like the original stickers from the store. I I personally like them on games. It adds character. It adds not a not a providence, but it's a historical remnant to me. It's a historical remnant, and to remove it is kind of weird uh, to do that. I actually yeah, I yeah, like the stickers um, too. It's it's a, it's like to me that's a part of the retail game, the store sticker. Right. Most of these games you bought had store stickers on them in some capacity, at least by the late 90s, early 2000s. You know what I mean? Like in the early 90s, you go to a, you go to a, you know, a Kitty City or you go to a Toys R Us. And no, you, you, Toys R Us doesn't, you know, you buy, you, here's the sticker. They get it from behind the freaking vault door or whatever. And here they have. But once you get to the late 90s or 2000s, yeah, this stuff has stickers on it, especially they have anti, they have security devices, you know, on, on that. So, um, I feel super bad for Ryan in this case. Uh, but again, this is like the trappings of getting into speculation or collecting stuff that's sealed. If this was a complete box copy you had, you wouldn't be concerned about something like this. The writing thing to me, though, is so over the top that it's – I'm not saying it was deliberate, but how do you do that to, to something, a game that's that valuable? Don't think it's deliberate. Don't think it should have been sent out like that without a conversation with Ryan. Here's my whole take on it is the writing thing is the problem. The sticker thing – there's going to be a risk involved. Sure. Uh, I, I no no offense to the Ryan should have looked into it. Should have realized that maybe it was a mag, uh, magnetic alarm sticker that it wasn't going to be perfect when it was taken off. Obviously, there's no way all of those things can go perfectly. I think there's an assumed risk when you're doing something like that. And I'm sure How, you sign I, a waiver to say that, right? Yeah. So I, I really can't get too be too too angry over that. The writing on it, though. The fact that it got sent back to him with that writing on it, like with no notification or no call, like maybe he won't notice. That's the weird part. Is that why it took several months to get it back? Not the sticker because of the like what the like what I can't even see what it says. It's, it looks like a scribble. It's almost like it was a name or an, of an account or something, and they were maybe they put a piece of paper on top of it and were writing it, and it bled through. You know what I mean? Like with a permanent marker. Don't know. How do you use? How do you do that to a game like that? I, I mean, I I love an explanation. I I, uh, I would probably say if I was Wada, I'd say we fucked up. Here's the fair market value for your game. That's it. I feel like they've probably got the money to do that. Well, they just did the deal with with uh you know collectors uh universe. Yeah, like they got the cash. That's yeah. Make it make it right for Ryan. I feel terrible about that. Yeah, you're right. The sticker thing is like yeah, that's like a risk thing, and it's like eh. But but that's like you imagine sending sending away like a, a golden age comic and it's like a marker there, and it's in the it's like he looked at it first like is that on the game or is that on the case like, you tell. 
Yeah, I'm pretty good at removing stickers, and sometimes customers will ask me to, you know, take a try to take a sticker off of like a box or whatever. And I'm like, I, I will That's try a, it, but uh, you assume the risk. That, I said, yeah. but if it, I, yeah. I said, but you're you're buying it, and if I rip it, it, it it's ripped. I yeah. said, or you can take it and just try it yourself. Best thing to do, you use a little bit of goo gun, you let it soak in there. That's the one way to do it. Uh, I've actually even used, not recommending this because I have used even um, not on a cardboard box, a little bit. Everyone's got uh, their own ways with little bits of that. Rubbing alcohol will take out the ink. Uh, a little bit of citrus uh, won't. Like a little. Like, so you got to use a little bit. If you're not careful, um, you'll get those oil stains with goo gone. That's true. Or or a little bit of Windex, very lightly Windex it, and and that might be. Like or, I said, more often than not, I just opt to leave it. I like seeing the travel of it. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, there's also this is more also about it's is for like packing tape or whatever. You can use um a hair dryer. To, to loosen it, that usually works. You still got to be careful, and it's not a hundred percent. Right. I, I've had things super loose and still take off very small flecks of uh, of color from like the cardboard box. And it's like that's the best you're gonna do. You know what I mean? Sure. For something like that. But all right. Well, Awada should make it right. They should do one thing positive, one piece of positive PR with all the bad stuff happening. Make it right for Ryan. Come on, make it right for for this young lad. All right, Ian, uh, we have a Patreon, don't we? Patreon.com slash CU Podcast. You go. We do, I do uh, writings. I've got one. I've got one. I just got It's in the draft. It's it's not, it's not interesting. I haven't done anything interesting in weeks, uh, but I have one that I just have to put a closing paragraph on. You got ice cream. What are you talking about? Uh, We also, uh, you get the full video podcast. And, uh, and we are going to start doing do hangouts. It. I did one last. We're going to do an ex- start. I guess in October or this month, later this month, we'll see. We're, we'll start doing That's exclusive. Alan and Lisa and Tom. It was good. We're going to uh, do start doing an exclusive podcast. That's right as well. And I did not put down here for Ian to twenty six dollars tier. Uh, another split fifty four forty six. That's like two. What did you say? I said twenty six dollars. No, it won't be twenty six bucks. It's not going to be twenty six dollars. No. no. Uh, in second place, would video games be looked at differently if they were more physically exhausting? I like that one because uh, I thought of it. And in the first place, at fifty four percent, it finally broke through. Ian, will computer games ever be as collectible as console games? I don't think so. Um, so there are people who really like their PC games um, and do collect them. They're out there. But there's a couple of reasons I think PC games are going to be less collectible or not. Cl- I don't want to say less collectible. There are definitely going to be some that are worth money. I don't think the they market. Now, yeah. Yes. I don't think the collectible PC game market is going to be ever be as big as the collectible console game market. Uh, a couple of reasons. One space um final frontier one of the things that makes i think old pc games appealing to people to collect especially pc games from you know the 80s and 90s is that they came in big boxes that commanded your attention and they had big full color manuals usually in there uh sometimes they had a big chonky booklet of anti you know uh, like copies Copy protection yeah. measures. Um, obviously, Maps. games like the Zork games had, you know, feelies and little trinkets in it. Um, and that's all very appealing. They look good on a shelf. So collectors they who have they space. Look like books. They look like books on a yeah, shelf. Yeah, they look like books. So collectors who have the space, yeah, there is some real appeal to big box PC games. But I think, you know, compared to like a PS2 game, a 360 game, an NES cartridge, even a complete NES game, you're taking up a fraction of the space. 
And when you talk to collectors and when you talk to them about getting rid of, um, when they talk about getting rid of collections, a lot of times one of the first things they bring up is I just don't have the space anymore or I don't want to take up the space. Uh So so space is one of them. Space, the final frontier. Um, Two, digital gaming got into... um, Digital gaming got into the PC realm and became acceptable in the PC realm um, a lot earlier than it did in console gaming. Way earlier. It's still not really fully accepted. About 10 in, years before. Yeah, in, in console gaming. So there's just a lot of stuff that doesn't really have a collectible item or unit. Um, on top of that, as it got you know more and more into the internet age and things like serial numbers... Uh, you know, single-use serial numbers and whatnot yeah. became necessary right. for playing these PC games as anti-piracy measures. That's another reason why PC games are never going to be as collectible because when you collect cartridge games, ostensibly you're able to take that game, pop it into a system, and play it. Uh, there are certain big-box PC games that if you buy and that serial number is used, sure, you can go and find a, a, a key gen or a cracker and use it, but as it stands, it could be like a spent game get what i'm saying like there's not as much you can do with it and then uh lastly i just don't think there's as big of a nostalgia market for it the era the era of pc gaming that is probably the most collectible the big box pc stuff the late 80s early 90s even in the late 90s stuff was all when computers were still prohibitively expensive for most people and it was not as popular of a form of gaming as say a sega genesis a super nintendo or nintendo people just there are definitely people out there who do but in terms of like the amount there's not as many people who are super nostalgic over that pc game that's that's a good point. I mean, computers didn't become affordable for the regular, you know, middle class income until like the mid nineties. That's when it really started to come down. Yeah. So you're talking the first fifteen years of of games on a platform or multiple platforms that most families couldn't afford. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, my father bought an XT in eighty five, eighty six. He probably spent close to two grand for that in eighty five money. That's several thousand dollars today. Like, we're talking tons of money. The people who are going to be most nostalgic, I feel like, for some of those PC games are going to be older than us. Probably a a good 10 to 20 years older than us in certain instances because they were the people, young young tech professionals were the people who were getting into it. Or adults. Established adults. adults. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I feel like, you know, the the, the market for nostalgia, where you want to re-grab something for nostalgia, that lies with an older audience that may already be getting over it. The the people that played computer games in the 80s were boomers. They They were our age then. Yeah, a lot of them were. So like that that market it, is gone. The people who would feel now. nostalgia for it are older. They're, dead. they're retired. They're seventy. Like my father's over seventy. Yeah. Like they're 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 they don't care about that stuff. They don't actually don't have a huge attachment to a lot of that stuff anymore. The model train stuff is gone. So they've aged out of even the collectability. When you get to the nineties though, it, 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 it explodes sure. to teenagers then and, and some younger kids. Like then so it's really like the nineties stuff. The eighties stuff though, here's the thing about it. I put down a couple of thoughts here. Unlike Unlike consoles, you don't have like dedicated libraries of games. Sure. For like the XT versus, you know, for for the Apple II versus the Commodore versus like I don't I don't know anyone who had an Atari computer like an Atari ST or whatever or an even eight hundred. A lot of those games were shared between all of them or at least a few of them. Right. There weren't that many that were exclusive to one platform. Once you get to the, the Amiga, maybe some. Sure. But like. 
you you don't have that same experience. It's there's, it's hard to have a collective. It's not like you can, there's not like an there's not like an IBM XT collectors forum. You can have a Nintendo collector forums or you know a Sega. People who you collect know. for PCs at this point, especially older ones, the ones who get really hardcore into it will have different computer setups that they can play the stuff yeah. on. But for a lot of people who are collecting this, and this does kind of go a little bit against what I said about the serial numbers, a lot of people who are collecting now are buying these things because they want them, but there's no real intention of they're ever playing, playing them oh, in no. the intended way. Ooh, people, playing. I mean, you've got stuff for out there for all different platforms. I have every platform. Yeah. yeah. Every platform, and it's like, I'm not going to get, uh, you know, uh, my Apple II set up anytime soon. There are definitely yeah. people who collect specifically for Apple II. I would get that. That, but, that, that is more but, specific. But there are a couple. There are definitely C64 collectors. But when you get into, like, when you, especially when you get into, like, the, um, I don't know. But it, if I'm buying this, if I'm buying, let's say I want every King's Quest game, they don't have to be IBM versions. I, I can have an Apple II version. I don't care. I feel like if we talk to some, okay, I see what you're saying. I feel like if we talk to some big PC game collectors, there Especially are probably some that are them. a little bit more specific about that. I think if I didn't, I didn't grow up with a lot of those games on those shelves, so I don't care what platform I got them for. Personally. I wonder if there's a, I wonder yeah. if there's a, uh, I wonder if there's anything like the attempt to own the, you know, system of origin, basically, like own the version that came out first. A lot of times they came out about the same time, though, that's the thing. Sure. It's like. Like I've I've I have the first um, the one thing that's definitely a first is uh, King's Quest came out in the IBM Junior. It's in the, that we, it's in that weird yeah. uh, pla- hard plastic box um, that came out for sure first. Then all the other stuff, I mean, it's probably off by days or weeks for some of those. You know what I mean? So it's like who cares? Like you're you're getting the Commodore done one one done the same exact time. A lot of times they're in the same box together for some of those. Sometimes you got you got multiple versions in the same. Uh, you know what I mean? You you get in the same box. That, that's not, it's not all, but that happened. So it's not. There's not that pull to being like a shelf collector. Uh, you know, to get the entire. Co- if you're not a if you're not a library collector, what happens? The popular stuff people go after, or maybe the really weird, rare stuff. All the shit in between, no one cares about it. There's not going to be a collectible market for you know eighty percent of these PC games. Right. You can find a lot of rare PC games. They're not worth anything. You can't you can't find them, but if you find them, no one's buying them because there's not people that experience them and they're not collecting sets. The other thing I put down here was piracy. Um, obviously, piracy was rampant in the '80s and '90s for PC games. Um, so if I played a lot of stuff, part I didn't. I most of my games were, were were real ones in the '90s or shareware. I got more pirate stuff once I got to the late '90s. Once you got to uh, you know T1 internet and you know college. Um, if I pirate a lot of stuff, I don't have the nostalgia to get like the original box and game. I just wouldn't like. And I'm not saying that that speaks for everyone, but I think a lot of people would be like, "Yeah, I played I played a pirated, you know, Abrams tank game in '86. Why do I need the original?" You know, so it doesn't carry through yeah, the same way. I feel like the nostalgia is with PC games. I don't know how to say this properly. This isn't exactly right, but something along the lines of the nostalgia is more embedded in the actual gameplay. There's less of a if you're downloading stuff from BBSs, if you're getting mm-hmm. shareware, if you had pirated games, you're not really thinking about the packaging, you're not associating it with something. It's the gameplay that you remember. So when you want to feel like you can you can cure that nostalgia bug by going online and pirating that game. Yeah. And playing it. So the first piece I've been collecting, I was ahead of the curve as as I've I've been with most of these consoles, fortunately for my wallet. I started collecting PC stuff like two thousand 12, 11. I got in pretty early. It hasn't really blown up until the past few years. It's gotten a lot hotter. And so the first stuff I bought, Egan, was the stuff I had as a kid or stuff that I remembered. 
you know, it was like I got, I got, you know, I, I was searching for that was the one specific one I wanted. I wanted the IBM XT version of Commando because that was the first computer game I ever had. So that's the one I did want the specific one of. All the ones I've gotten though have not been specific. I went out and got a lot of the Sierra stuff because I remember playing Sierra stuff. I got all the Legion of Larrys and I got the King's Quest and I got the Space Quest stuff like that. Those are the ones that that drew me in. But then I stopped, or then I got some weird stuff like I got like. The first edition of SimCity they pulled from shell because they had Godzilla on it. They weren't allowed to use right. it. So I got some weird stuff like that. But it was stuff you had to have known about. And again, it's like it's almost like computer collecting is right now where video game collecting was like in the mid nineties. Like we're just still figuring out stuff that exists. A lot of the rare stuff isn't worth any money. Or any or even weird variants that I've shown Ian, like this is the weird weird Blakestone. A variant that you can't find but like no one cares because we're not into it yet sure you know so yeah that's all i'm gonna say so will they will there eventually be graded computer games absolutely that's going to be like the final frontier computer games is always like the final frontier for video game collecting for the reasons we talked about and probably more and uh, we'll get there eventually you know we will Hmm. It, it won't it won't be every single game but you know, and the other thing though is that I think that also the golden age of, of computer game a lot of people was like the like the mid nineties or so. So it's like it's a lot easier to find those those games. Maybe not maybe not a sealed Doom two you know commercial, but you can find those. We're not it's they're twenty five years old. You know, I'm sure you can find those. We're not talking stuff from the from the, the mid mid eighties. There's not a lot of people saying oh well Space Quest one you know that's the you know that's going to be a hundred thousand dollar game. Not really because it's not like that's a franchise that's continued. A lot of the franchises that have continued are from the nineties. Yeah, uh, and on. Uh, Ian, we got uh, we got voicemails, don't we? We do. Let's let's do some economical voicemails. Let's get through these. Anchor.fm slash the CU podcast. You don't define the voicemails, Ian. Hey, Pat and Ian. This is Nick from Canton, Ohio, the Hall of Fame city. Go Browns. Um, I was just wondering, last week? have you ever seen a movie that ruined your day and not because no. the movie was bad? Okay. So, for example, uh, The Departed. When I left the theater after that ending, my day was ruined. Uh, oh man! Okay, any any for you, Ian? That moves that ruin your day? Uh, no, not that I can think of. But people always told me not to watch. Um, what is the heroin movie? Requiem for a Dream. Oh, that sounds rough. I they said that one, one would be very difficult. But no, that no movie rough. has ever really ruined my day. Yeah, I don't want to see someone spiral into darkness being a heroin addict. Yeah. Oh, uh, Jesus. You know, has Frank's favorite actress in that. Uh, what's her name? Uh, yeah, I forget. Uh, I was going to say, well, no, there wasn't one, but whenever I think of The Craft, uh, I'll never forget that asshole in high school. We saw it. It was like four of us friends. Well, well it was like, I was the fifth wheel. I was always the fifth wheel uh, in high school. Yeah, I know. No girls for Pat. Went to see The Craft, and uh, this Italian guy, varsity jacket in my high school, was leading the crew, and I didn't want to see it at first. I was like, I don't want to see it. It's kind of hokey. See it, and I was like, oh, I enjoy this. Love Feruza Balk. Love her. Beautiful. It's a good movie. I like Underrated that. Underrated actress, too. And then he walked out, this fucking uh, Italian Jersey guy. That, oh, it's against my Catholic sensibility. He walked out like 15 minutes before the movie ends. It's like, you, I didn't want to see it. Now I'm seeing it, and now I didn't get, don't, don't get to see the ending. I didn't see the end of that movie for like 10, 15 years. Oh, that's a bummer. Well, I know what the last straw was him for. Like, oh, he he was cool up. Like, it was all satanic and like witchcraft. Like, 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 what do you, what do you, what an asshole? Sorry, fuck him. Okay, it wasn't satanic. People, which some witch people are gonna get at me? It wasn't satanic. It was, you know. Okay, skip, skip. Hello, Pat. Hello, Ian. This is Humana calling from Pennsylvania. 
I used to always love watching different types of video game or comic book related Saturday morning cartoons like the original Sonic the Hedgehog or Sat AM or even Sonic X past a certain point and the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. My question for you two is, if you could actually take an old video game property and bring them back to the big screen or just the Saturday morning TV, or even better than that, if you could take a property that has never had its own cartoon show and be able to bring it into the front stage, which one would you two pick? Um, I'm shocked that there has there been a Ninja Guide in anime. No, I don't believe there has been. That's kind of shocking. Yeah. Um, Vani and I actually talked about it last night. Oh, uh, one of our favorite things about the WarioWare series is all the characters. Like the the cast yeah, in a cool. WarioWare game is phenomenal. They're like incredibly the- well drawn. They're all done by uh, Ko Takuchi, and um, you know each of the levels starts off with like a little short of the you know the main character that's being introduced doing something. And I like mm. those in the previous ones, like in uh, Gold and stuff like that. I would love to see WarioWare as a cartoon. I would I would watch the shit out of that. Just like a regular kids cartoon, they work in the characters, different characters. Yeah, yeah they could make it as weird as they wanted. I think it would be fun, and the animation style would be cool. I forgot to bring up when we were talking about that. I did the challenge stage. You can do the challenge and keep going. Mm-hmm. I thought they would end at some point. No, they don't. I, it, I, I, that's what I mean. It's all about high score. You just keep going. But they, but they, 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 they do stop getting faster because I'm crazy. I used the cabbie guy that shoots, right? The dog? Yeah. To kill Bowser, I went up to 102 times. And I was like, this is – my mind's going insane because it's going – it's getting faster. But I think it stops the quickness because it gets nuts. Well, eventually you know? it would get to a point where you couldn't do yeah, it anymore. So, but I said, this has to end at 100. And no, it kept going. Yeah. And I was like, that's insane. I just kept shooting Bowser real quick. I was like, and just shooting him. Uh, what's next here? Hello, Pat. Hello, Ian. This is Andrew from Bath in England. Bath. Um, in your experience of flea markets, we call them car boot sales, or working in a game store, if you had to pick one, what is the most common game? The one you see all the time. You know it's there. And what condition will you find it in? Thank you. Well, real quick, does the term bath come from the the, the town? Because they have like the, they have the springs there? I don't know. I look, look at the, uh, what, is, what is it, the word origin? It's either up. entomology or etymology. That's what I was saying. One's, one's, one's bugs, one's, one's one is words. <laughs> etymology. Yeah, that's what I didn't say. I'm going to be wrong. Um, the most common game. I think a lot of people would want to say Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt, but it's not because it's. Um, people want it. So it, it, even though there's lots of copies of it, there have been there have been well, a couple of times at Luna Video Games where I have completely sold out of Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt. That doesn't mean it's not the most common game, but he's changing, he's changing the definition. That you're always going to see always it Always going to see. Not anymore. You would 10, 10 15 years ago, though. Uh, yeah. I guarantee you, you could walk into any used video game store that deals in retro stuff right now and get a copy of Silent Service or Skater Die. Or Bases Loaded 2. Bases Loaded 2 would or be one. another one. But they're always, those are super common. Uh, golf. Gyromite is a big one. These are games that existed in high production runs that no one wants anymore because they're not super fun. So they're always going to be there. Well, it's not like, well, they, they stopped making Gyromite probably around, I want to say, 87, because that's when they stopped doing Raw. But there was just so many out there in the deluxe sets probably. Yeah. That, like, there's, there's tons of them. There's, there's millions of them. Yeah, but I, I feel like there's uh, no chance, no chance of going to a reputable retro video game store and not being able to walk out with at least five copies of Silent Service. So I'll let me know about that bath thing, because now it's going to bother me. I'm pretty sure that's probably where it came from. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Michael from Michigan. 
I love watching clips of the podcast on YouTube, and awesome. I'm a first-time caller, and my question is for both of you. My question is, is there a video game that deserved to get a sequel that did not? And is there a video game that did get a sequel or multiple games released in a series that did not deserve it? All right. Look forward to hearing your answer, and keep up the great work, guys. It's not for me to decide a game doesn't deserve a sequel. If there's an audience for it, there's an audience for it. So that's kind of weird. No, they don't deserve it. No. But is there a game that should have gotten a sequel? Um, no. I'm, I'm going to bring up a game that I've talked about on here before. Trap Gunner for the PlayStation, published by Atlas, developed, I think, by Atlas, developed by I don't know who. Um, it was a one-on-one, almost sort of spy versus spy sort of game where you had to set traps and attack the other uh, player. And it was uh, really fun. A very neat game. Rack Dim was was the dev. Raxin, R A C G I N. Raxin. Hmm. But formerly Rack it was Rack Dim at first. I've heard, I've seen the name, but I they've done Bomber uh, Bomberman sixty four, two Bomberland three, and two. Okay. Okay. Snowboard so, kids. That's oh okay. Yeah. There you go. Um, this is it, but the game was great, but there was a lot of, you know, HUD stuff, like HUD stuff that you had to display on a split screen. Uh, this game would have been perfect for the, the online era of um, gaming where everyone gets yeah. their own TV. It's one of those games where I like, I would love to see this come back with an online mode. Well, maybe, maybe you can get into game dev and you do your, own, your spiritual sequel. Me. Act Razor deserved a real sequel. Didn't get one, got a half sequel. That's the one I'm going to say next. Hey, Pat and Ian. I was wondering if you had any interest in doing a bonus episode as a Patreon pledge for 5 or 10 bucks. I know Ian has extra napkins and you're busy reviewing games for the book, but I think it would oh, be neat to have a bonus episode where the two of you can discuss what you're currently playing, as well as whatever random crap is going on. It would light a fire under Pat's ass to play some games that aren't Civ 2, and once the play day comes out, I'd love to hear Ian and Pat's what? monthly reactions to the chunk of games. Plus, my favorite parts of the podcast are all the non-news parts. Also, if Pat and Ian were a celebrity couple, they'd be peeing. Hmm. Thank you, thank you, Gorgian. I don't, I, don't, I don't like the backhanded compliment there, Gorgian. I, I just played WarioWare. What are, you, what are you talking about? I just played Trigger Witch a few weeks ago. How much free time do you think I have, Gorgian? You, you, you think these certain guidebooks just write and edit themselves? What, what, what are you talking about here? Kind of. They, they kind of <laughs> What? <laughs> Holy shit. You're me. Yeah, but we, we, we're going to do it. Yes. We're just going to bullshit. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll talk more politics and social stuff and the food stuff. We, we, maybe. We say Mappy? Maybe. We'll talk about more Mappy stuff. We'll talk about more Jersey Shore experiences and Buffalo experiences. You know, things like that. Things that you, the kids like. Hey, Pat. Hey, Ian. Oh. This is Josh. This question is mainly for Pat, but Ian, you can answer too. Pat, what was your go-to Sunday when you went to Friendly's? And do you have any crazy stories about when you were a kid going to friendlies? Thanks. There's no crazy friendly story. Like, you know what's crazy? The awesome ice cream is crazy. That's what it is. <laughs> it's crazy low prices. It's, it's crazy delicious. <laughs> um, crazy, and I, it's one of the reasons why I'm going to two conventions uh, back in the East Coast next month, which I probably should announce. I'll be at, at too many games, um, and I'll be one in Connecticut, Retro World Expo in November. Is that no, the Peanut Butter Cup Sunday? I'd say that's the best. It's the best thing ever, but. That was too much as a kid. But then again, I was thick but quick. Uh, I don't have memories of getting a specific Sunday. I think I got whatever was free 
whatever one they threw in with your with your burger is one I got. Mike. I clearly remember yeah. always getting the clown Sunday. Yeah, that was usually a free throw in as being being threw, a kid. Yeah, they threw that one in for free in, in the mid to late eighties. Um, as I got older, my favorite friendly Sunday was not actually one you ate there. It was the to go Reese's Sunday because there was always like a fucking solid inch of peanut butter on the top. Oh, of that really? Fucking thing so good. You never had any of the to goes. They did the Hershey pies. I, I know they did the Hershey Sunday. They did the Reese's one, and they were little cardboard. No, because you know why? Containers. You bought them, and when you popped the top off, um, the well, Reese's one was just coated in peanut butter. Well, my mom only bought whatever ice cream was on sale. Got a coupon for, it, and that stuff was never on sale. Uh, fair enough. That's probably why. All right, next year. Hey Pat. Hey Ian. Hey Ian. Hey Pat. Um, this is Alex from Wisconsin. Uh, curious if there are any franchises that you have felt have really gone downhill um personally for me uh, the paper mario series i consider the first one to be my favorite game of all time the second one thousand year door is great uh super paper mario doesn't really appeal to me and then when they kind of went back to rpg format um honestly i've heard that they just kind of took the whole formula and threw it out the window and i haven't really even bothered so um Okay, what are, what are you thinking? That's actually kind of, I mean, that's one for me. I haven't been, I, I know a lot of people still like him. I love the art, art style. I wish I could be more interested in the Paper Mario series. Uh, Super Paper Mario was okay. I thought they would go back to the original formula after that. They haven't. And I, I mean, because I just don't really buy it. Also, um, going to be real skeptical of Mario Golf going forward. That was, I was just You're so, disappointed. I was so disappointed in Mario Golf on that. Well, you told uh, me more about the unlockables and, and the weird shit. I was just like. It's a joyless game. I have no idea yeah. how you take I the Mario. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how you take the Mario cast and then put them in a, a, a golf game and make it joyless. Like, you have to try to make it joyless. It's just not good. I've seen these these uh, indie 2D golf games popping up everywhere now where it's like they're like platforming elements and you're golfing the ball around. It's like it's, I think it's, you're it's talking up. about um, Curse to Golf, and I, I haven't really seen anything I like saw Curse a, to Golf. At least one more 2D golf game that was like I saw either Kickstarter or Indie thing. I saw. Okay, I think it's interesting. I'll do a few more here. Hey guys, uh, this is Jackson from the Jackson Consoles Too Late podcast Jackson. from Baltimore. Um, I just had a, a strange eBay experience, and I was curious if you like about uh any uh horror stories that you guys had on ebay i love the podcast and i'll keep listening talk to you later bye i've only had two to three horror i've only been ripped off once on ebay this is before protection this is still in the the land of money orders in the early 2000s uh it was somewhere in southeast asia i i try to get um I i think it was i think it was the the famicom google 13 in the box i believe and never got it. Um, and there was no protection. I was only out like, I don't know, 30, 40 bucks. But it sucked, obviously. Um, that was that. And then the one thing I bought that they ruined the box, so I said about it, I still never owned it, was the Manavox uh, shooting gallery, the rifle from the original Odyssey. The one that looks like mm-hmm. a rifle. Mm-hmm. And they, I think I told you they shipped it in that fucking, they taped it with that brown, the brown packing tape, which should be fucking outlawed by international law. Because you can't get it off at all, even with the with a blow dryer, you can get you can get uh, regular tape off with with like pretty good with with like a blow, you can't with that. It just peels and comes apart. It's so shit that I said to them, I don't want this. They said why? I was like, well, you didn't put a box. In that. So I said I didn't explain to them that the box is part of the value of this. You can't. That's only happened like once or twice in my life where I saw something like that. I was like, what are you doing? You hear horror stories every now and then where people do that. I can't believe it. Right. Where they do that with a product like that. Not a commercial. It's not like a vacuum cleaner. It's a 40-year-old, now 50-year-old, uh, you know, 
video game product. What about you, Ian? Uh, actually, I was thinking about this the other day, uh, what, but I, I, I'm one of those people who has weirdly, I've never really had any bad experiences oh. with eBay, like none at all. Most of my most of my purchases on eBay though do come from Japan. I don't know if it's just a different sort of seller culture over there, but I've never had a bad experience. I do two more here. Hey Pat and Ian, this is Nick from Ohio. Let's assume you are fully vaccinated. You hop in your DeLorean. What time and place are you going to? Disease is not an issue, so you can't say the modern day. Uh, I, I don't know where I would want to go. I don't know if I would want to. Can I, can I go and get rich like Biff Tannen and, and, and Back to the Future uh, 2? Can I do that and come back and have all this money? Or, or, or just put money in a savings account in like 1900 and, and accrue all that nice interest over 100 years like the Immortals do on Highlander the series? Can I do that? Uh, 97 or 98 right before the rave scene got huge and fizzled up. Honestly, okay, I'll take that back. I want to go back to the classic 80s. I want to go back. Give me like arcade era 82. Give me the big hair mid 80s. Give me, give, me, give me early 80s. I want to experience that now. I think that would be a, a joy to experience that. Uh, just the feel of, you know, those the club scene and you got Thriller coming out, you know. And you got members only jackets. That's what I want. Because I didn't have that and I think that would be cool to do that. And I put in some bets. On the, I put a bet in on the 86 Mets, four-part documentary coming out this week, 35th anniversary of my New York oh, Mets, yeah. the 86 Mets, doing coke in the dugout and hitting home runs. And we got uh, we, we got someone else checking in. Who's here? I don't know. You have a collect call from Thomas Tallarico Esquire. Hey, just calling you guys from a payphone because I got one over here at Boomers where I'm doing this Amico event. I guess it's to keep with the whole theme of the place. I don't know. Hey, why is everyone blaming me for Pat getting blocked by the Intellivision Man on Twitter? It's not my account. Look at the profile picture. It's Intellivision Man's account, and Ian just had enough of you. Quite frankly, I'll blame him. And then Ian was giving me shit. Oh, his kid's here. Sorry, sorry. And then Ian was being a dick because I only gave 24 hours notice for the event. It's because we didn't want it to go like the Crayola event where this dude came all the way over there, and I quote, to make Tommy uncomfortable. Isn't that nice? But by the end of the day, the Amico Mafia totally changed his mind about that because those guys, they would take a bullet for me, which is good because for all those death threats I got, they're probably going to have to. And the gaming world will thank them for their sacrifice. Okay, everyone's looking at me weird right now. I got to go. Oh, Tommy. Good job. I, I don't. I don't accept the call. By the way, no. I, I, I don't yeah. accept the call. <laughs> That's the longest recording time I've ever heard on a collection. Yeah, call. you usually get like five seconds. Mom, it's me. Pick me up. At the wall. Bye. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that was fun. Thanks for checking it from Boomers. We didn't even talk about. We didn't even go off on how the Boomers name was so apropos. All right, that's it for the CU podcast again. Bye bye. We got fun. Dean's done. We'll see you next week, and we're gonna we're gonna record a, a solo a solo a standalone. Uh, exclusive one soon for you all. Yeah.